Michael, hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode, welcome, everybody. Welcome, Michael. Hello, hello, sorry. We're talking about the episodes broadcast in the UK between the 18th and the 22nd of July. Which episode numbers is that, Gemma? Please tell me. Um, well, I'm thinking on. One, two, how many is it a week? It's 10,693 to 10,698. Yes, it is. And um, yeah, so we relate to everybody this week. It's Sunday morning as we're recording this, but we've had a busy couple of days and we've not been able to record it. Didn't even get to watch um, Friday's Coronation Street until jolly late on Friday night, did we? Oh, some of us watched it. I was out socialising. Um, what do you mean? You fell asleep. I did fall asleep. It was my staff end of year... Um, academic year of course um, do on Friday night so we went to the uh, the deputy head's house and had a barbecue um, and I mean I was obviously one of the first to leave there but even so we still I still didn't get back until when was it like 11 o'clock or so pretty late pretty, pretty late-ish um, apparently it carried on way into the wee hours without me I don't know how they can don't know how they manage without party animal Michael. I know. They, they, Surprised they, it just didn't die full yeah, of that speed. As soon as they, but, you left, they were like, oh. Yeah, so we, we watched Friday's episode when I got back and I, I was definitely struggling to stay awake towards the end. At the end, when it finished, I went, well, Michael, what did you think about that revelation? And you were like, um. Yeah, there was that scene with Audrey where there was quite a big revelation in the last scene of the week, wasn't there, which we'll get onto later. And I was like, I, I don't know what I Audrey said or what happened to Audrey there. What so happened? I had to go back and rewatch it. So obviously, we weren't in a fit state to record the podcast after that on Friday night. But then on Saturday, we had another very exciting Corey related time as well, didn't it we? It was really, really wonderful, actually. It was wonderful. Yeah, we um, for, and, and this, this was a long time coming as well. Um, we met up with um, John and David from Corey. Thank you. This is something that we have been meaning to do for years. And we actually two years ago had a date planned that yeah. we would be meeting up, didn't we? Then I don't know if you remember this, a pandemic happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of put the kibosh on all that. But yeah, we, we had I think it was almost literally two years ago this month maybe, and we'd we'd oh. like booked a place to go to yeah, to go and watch right. them and everything. But um, yeah, we had to put it on hold. To watch them. Yeah, to, 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 yeah, so we're going to watch Coropedia people and figure yeah. out how they're so clever. <laughs> watch, we, we basically just met up with them and had lunch and watched some old Cory episodes with them. It's really, really lovely. But um, the um, one of them, I can't remember whose cousin it was, um, lives in Southampton. And so um, they let us use their flat for the afternoon. And um, House. Oh yeah, sorry, a house. It was a, it was a house, not a flat, wasn't it? So we, we went over and had um, had lunch um, just in the... You know, it was yeah, to Swanwick, which is about 10 minutes away from our house. I had a lovely meal together and we ended up staying there just chatting to them about how the how the site works and they were asking us all about the podcast. And yeah, it was there. really good chat. It was so nice. Yeah, think, it's like meeting friends, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it was absolutely lovely. I think I, mean, I was a little bit they nervous at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been incredibly helpful for us over the years during the podcast. And um, yeah, they were asking us about how the podcast works and we were talking about favourite bits and least favourite bits. Favourite and... characters, why do you hate Tim? Uh, we did, yeah, the why did you hate Tim did come up as part of the discussion, <laughs> I have to say. Um, it's just really, really fascinating. And throughout the whole of the afternoon, I was absolutely blown away by how knowledgeable they were. They're, they are like 
or inspiring. I think they've got the whole of the website just like downloaded into their heads. Yeah, I don't think that they type anything. I think they've got like a plug in their brain. Yeah. And then it connects to the computer and it just downloads the knowledge. I mean... That's not true. They work very, very hard. They work, they put in so many hours. People say that I know a lot about Coronation Street, but honestly, it is nothing compared to both of these two. And and even, it was even stuff like, and they were saying, oh, we, we wanted to watch a certain episode, and they'd say, oh yeah, that's that's from, that's from 1963, and I think it was about August 63. I'm going to say that it was episode number blah, 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 and it's like, yes, it was. It was it's, it's just incredible how, how they could pinpoint an episode, pinpoint a scene in an episode, um, and... And they're also going to say, well, what's happened before here is this. And they could give us all the backstory and everything. It was insane, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but they were they were both really, really lovely. The the, ep- the the TV that we watched it on was also pretty cool. Because um, the, the in, in the house they had like a 70-inch TV, was it, I think, on the wall. And that's the biggest TV I've ever watched anything on. And it was... Uh, and and then but you know after we after we got home afterwards I was on the internet looking at how much TVs that size could cost because we've actually got a bit of a problem in our lines haven't we that they used to um, the the people who lived here before us used to have their TV mounted onto a wall and there's a horrible um, patch where their telly used to be and ours is currently sitting on the stand underneath and I was thinking oh we could get a TV we could get a giant TV and put it over there but maybe that's a project for another year because they are. They're not, you know, they're not unreasonably expensive, are they? Massive TVs. I think not that's as one piece of comparably as they used. No, to be. I think consumer electronics wise, televisions are actually among the best value for money things that you can get. So I don't know, maybe one day that will happen. But we're not talking about TVs. No, we're not. We're not. It was just a really, really lovely afternoon. We sat and ate, ate, ate jelly babies and marshmallows together. We watched some Coronation Street. We had chats. Got to know each other better. Their, it was their just knowledge very is. Lovely. Like, really inspiring. Their passion is... I, I loved it so much. It was so nice to talk to people who care about the show as much as we do. Mm. Talking about the heritage of the show and the history and discussing, like, minor characters and events that people might have forgotten. And they were telling us lots of things about um, about character backgrounds that we that we didn't know. Like, we were talking about Emily... Emily Bishop and how what her, what her dad was like. And they were mm. telling us about that. And um, it really... Yeah, it really was like a revelation, mm. not just um, the, the sort of discussions that we had about the older episodes, but also meeting two people who really, really care about the show and know so much about it. They're just, they're brilliant ambassadors for the show. Yeah, they're aren't really, they? they absolutely I, are. I want them to write a book. Uh, yeah, I know. What on earth would they call it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I was. I was even though I kind of knew about it, I was also a little bit amazed at how Currypedia was only, what, four years old or so when the podcast started. They're so ambitious. Because it's such a huge, vast... And they've done so well. Yeah, compendium of it Curry really, knowledge. There's nothing like, there's nothing like there, it. There is, there's nothing like it. And, I, and I'm sure that people on them, you know, who work for Coronation Street know about it and, and read it and, and use it for information as well. Well, they'd be silly if they didn't. But, yeah, they would. Because but, it's um, all there, isn't it? it it's it all is, free. Yeah, I think they're fabulous. Yeah, so do I. It is it is brilliant. But um They do, I, they really inspire me. Yeah, <laughs> they inspire you to, to know more about they, the programme. Are they the do they know the most out of anybody? I'd like about to see anybody Street? I'd like to see oh, anybody yeah. compare. I would as well. Because it is well, I was just totally blown away. And but anyway, it was it was lovely, Can't say lovely, enough lovely. Nice it, things, not just about 
what they know, but also how nice they were and how generous with their time that they were to spend the, pretty much the whole day with us. Yeah. Also, there was a dog there, Harry. which was obviously made at Gemma's afternoon <laughs> even more special. <laughs> oh, he was wonderful as There's well. What, what time for him. dog was Watson? Big one. Big. Is it, is it like boxers? I, I don't know. I'm not very good at I'm dog breeds. I'm not very good with big dog breeds. No, but he, yeah, he was. Yeah, um, it was one of the dogs with the big nice heads. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we stayed, because we, we met up with them, it was like 12 o'clock we met to have lunch, wasn't it? And we yeah. stayed at the place where we were eating um, at the marina for two or three hours, because they had to, they, we had to wait ages to be able to order food, because they were short-staffed or whatever. Um, and then we went back to their house, and we stayed until half really seven, eight or so. So it was a full-on afternoon of, of, of chatting and, and watching Corrie. It was just brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Um, and at the same time as all of that going on, we were also trying to manage um, the uh, eBay listing for our Curry versus fans. That was Curry cast versus fans quiz. I was so nervous about that. I've been nervous about it for weeks. I was like thinking, I like oh, this is because it was like, sort of my idea, and I was thinking, I don't. I think I've been over ambitious here. I think it's stupid, and like, oh, all I really wanted to do was raise some money to to celebrate the 10th anniversary and I was like you just kind of made yourself look stupid here because no one's going to do this mm. so we were we were at the restaurant and I, I should have thought really because I knew we've had this date to meet up Corypedia people for months and months and months but for some reason I also decided that our eBay listing would go live part way through our dinner it's because it was to do with what time of the day it had to be it was to do with that yeah totally and the week was kind of corresponding to you know, giving people who were listening to the podcast a few weeks behind enough time to take part if they wanted to but yeah so at two o'clock was just before we were paying the bill i was like going on ebay going has it listed i scheduled it to list i've never done this before has it gone yes it has oh one person's bought one already that's good and then just over the course of the next 10 minutes or so more and more people were buying um, tickets to be part of the podcast and they're saying thank goodness for that i'm really really sorry to the people for whom not in the uk who struggled to to get places on this i don't know I don't know why it wasn't letting really you do sorry that. I'm you guys um, missed out. Yeah, I feel I feel really bad about that. Um, I, I don't know whether we, I don't know what I'd like to be able to do something to make up for that at some point. But um, we have all filled all ten places <laughs> now. Um, I'm and I've I've sent messages to everybody, and we're currently in the middle of um, figuring things out. Who's going to be paired up against who? So I kind of randomly gave everybody who bought yep. a ticket an order. Get it's all fine. Everybody's going to get paired up get, with a yeah, celebrity. Get, look out Thank for your you messages. to everybody who has bought a place on our anniversary quiz for charity. We really, really appreciate your support, and um, Trussell Trust is going to benefit two hundred and fifty pounds. Yes, that's cool. It's really nice to feel that over the course of a half an hour in an afternoon, we made two hundred and fifty pounds for charity. I know. I'm so pleased. <laughs> and. Um, Thank you also to all the lovely celebrities and curry actors and actresses who gave their time up to record for the quiz for us mm. so that we could do this. Yeah. Really, really don't take you guys for granted. I haven't decided exactly when the episode's going to go live. It may well be the week of the anniversary, which is mid-August, or it might be a little bit before that because we've other things going on. But 
love the fact that now we're like the queen where it's like we don't just have one date where we celebrate an anniversary it's like the whole yeah, year exactly. is just exactly. just celebrating how great we are <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to being able to talk to our to our winners and ask them the questions and see how their oh, curry yeah. knowledge compares to yes. the actual cast members and some ex-cast members themselves you're going to get time to practice because you know some of the curry stars have had years to, to, to bone right, up on exactly. their and I, and I knowledge. would say that people who are taking part in the quiz wouldn't wouldn't do wrong by um, looking at Corypedia page for the character that they get mm-hmm. paired up with because that's where I got most of the questions from I have to say yes anyway talking about Speaking quizzes Gemma segueing all over the place here do you have a quiz for me this week I do I thought you would because you always do you're very good at it I have sourced this information from a website you guys probably have not heard of <laughs> um, coronationstreet.fandom.com Corypedia and these are things that happen between the 18th and the 22nd of July in years ending in a 2 and a 7 18th of July 1962, the Barn Cake girls move into the corner shop flat. But who are they? Doreen Lustock and Sheila Bertels. Correct! 18th of July 1997, who does Jim McDonald start an affair with? 1997, 18th of July, start an affair with. Who could that. I don't remember ever. This is. Jim McDonald had an affair in 1997. You always make me doubt myself. No, you're probably right. That wasn't Gwen, that was too early. July night. Oh, Fiona. Was it Fiona? Fiona what? Middleton. Yes. Yes. Hooray. Not Got of, about that one. Not of the Berkshire Middletons. <laughs> 19th of July 2002. Who do Maxine and Ashley reluctantly allow to live with them after that person is homeless? What date was this? 2002. Um, um. And what episode oh, number was it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that one. Was this the. I'm going to say Casey. No? It was Doreen. Doreen. Oh, Doreen Heavey. Yeah, Casey was a bit late, wasn't it? I don't know whether she actually lived or whether she was indeed homeless. Doreen loved Doreen. You loved Doreen, didn't you? She was a bit of a new revelation for you as a character you hadn't heard of, Maxine's mum. Yes, I loved her, actually. Mm. 20th of July, 1992. What escapes into the Rovers? <gasps> wolf-eating spider. Mexican. A what? A Mexican wolf-eating spider. You think a spider gets big enough to eat wolves? Um, is it not wolf? That's her- I think- horrific. Okay. The mental image of that is it's disturbing. It might just be, you know... A wolf-eating re- spider. Maybe it doesn't, but that's what it's given itself to make... Uh, the name it's given itself to make itself look extra tough. I can't remember. It was a something-eating spider, wasn't it? And I think in my head before, or maybe even out loud before, I've said wolf-eating spider. And you told me, don't be such an idiot. I don't know. A spider. Yeah, giant old a tarantula. a spider. It was a Mexican mouse-eating spider. Mouse-eating spider. Now, that's the a little question bit more. is, is it a Mexican mouse... Eating spider, or is yeah. it a Mexican Watch out, spider? Speedy that eats Gonzales. Mice. <laughs> and it belonged to Harry Norton. Twentieth of July, nineteen ninety seven. So Who does Zoe Tattersall agree to sell her unborn baby to? Judy Mallet. Uh, and Gary Mallet. Yes. And Timmy Mallet. And also ITV Studios. Twenty <laughs> first of July, two thousand and seventeen. Who takes over as landlord and landlady of the Rovers? Two thousand and seventeen. Yes. Well, that's got to be, that's got to be Toya and Peter. Yes, it's the anniversary. Classic. <laughs> um, 22nd of July, 
And it's also, coincidentally, the anniversary of when they first served the Sabi Peas. 22nd of July, 1987. What surprise event does Alan Bradley arrange for himself and Rita? 1987? Yeah. Um, a, a, a fake marriage, well, not a fake marriage, a, a marriage, a wedding at the register office. So Alan takes her up to the register office and Rita says, no chance, matey, gets back right in the car and then bobs off. Rita, what a woman. Don't spring a marriage on somebody. They might not like it. Is that it? I'm, I'm even on the fence about springing an engagement, I mean, um, a proposal on somebody, but definitely not a wedding. That's another thing that's happened this week that was very exciting. So one of our teachers at school had a surprise proposal. Their boyfriend came in on the last day of term. I'd known about this for a couple of weeks, and um, the, uh, she didn't know about it at all. Although I think she did know that she was going to get proposed to at some point. I think, like us, the, the topic of we could, we're going to get engaged sometime, aren't we, had been a, a part of the conversation. But yeah, on the last day of term, the, the guy comes in um, and, and goes down on one knee in, in the classroom, and she said yes. So that was that was quite lovely. I don't know whether I'd have liked to have um, been proposed to or doing proposing in school. I think... Um, where, People were asking me the other day, Gemma, where we got engaged, and it was it was was it down by the water? Was it down? Was it in um, what's it called? Ocean Village. It wasn't in Ocean Village, but it's near there. Yeah, and people were asking me to say my story, and I said that I, I started proposing to you, and you ran away, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. But you, you don't. It's re- because you were acting really nervous and shady. You knew it was coming. I know, you? but you yeah, and you were acting really, really nervous. <laughs> And it unsettled me. Yeah, you only had a little runaway, but I caught up with you and I was like, come on. <laughs> I don't know whether, I don't think I ended up going down on one knee properly again, but anyway, yeah. that was all quite nice. I had a nice schooly proposal for the last day of term, and now I'm on my summer holidays, which means back into school again next week for more work. But I'm going to try and do my best to not be in school too much this summer and actually enjoy it and have a lovely time at home and do things around the house. Can't believe I've been living here for nearly a year now. I can. Anyway, that's my rambling done. Have you got any rambling that you would like to partake in? No. No rambling. So let's all talk about this week's Coronation Street in Street Talk. Welcome to this week's Street Talk, everybody. We have got six stories to talk about this week. And we are going to be starting off with Keller and Seller, which is... Do you like that one? Gemma's nodding her head. She likes that one, everybody. Um, this is going to be our Kelly Nealon story of the week. Up next, we're going to be talking about the Thai bride story and uh, what's been going on between those two and Phil, um, who has uh, he's grown a pair a bit by the end of this week, hasn't he? He's not not being um, not just lying back and taking it anymore. Um, we uh, the the Audrey story. I'm struggling with storyline idea titles for this week. I've called it Last Chance Salon because this is. David's last chance, maybe, of getting Audrey on his side. Mm. Getting any reaction from you with these, Gemma? They're all great. All great, says Gemma. Thank you. Last chance, Salon. We have then got some of the Wendy House, which doesn't match at all. Tully and the Bully seems to be over as of the end of this week. And um, all the stuff going on at Speed Dial, which they're kind of very, very slowly drip-feeding to us um, over the course of the last month or so with Stu and his daughter. And it's really not enough to get me to keep me engaged for long enough. So I've just called this, for the moment, incredibly slow, dragged-out dial. Because to say this is anything speedy is like a complete misnomer. Gemma, you said that you would like to do Keller and Seller first. So I'm going to pass over to you to say what's been going on here. Right, Monday... She's Kelly's missing, and it takes them a whole weekend to realise. No weekends in Weatherfield. <laughs> Maria discovers that Kelly's not in her room, 
And Gary's like, oh, she must have stopped stopped out with Ardy somewhere. Mm. So that's so fair. I thought the very first scene of this week was um, unusual way to start. Maria doing a headstand in the middle of the lounge. I want I want to know how that like came about. Was Maria was was Sammy just kind of doing it in the green room or something one day, and uh, she and then the writers like, oh, well we'll use that that talent. She was doing yoga. Yeah, I know, but she was still it's still impressive stuff. Was she Showing trying to off. was she trying to get herself an exercise DVD or something? Maybe. 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 Well, you know that Gary is also quite good at the keep fit. Art. What was he doing? Jazzercise or That's something true. a few months ago. So Gary and Maria's keep fit is shells uh, shells by you this Christmas or something. Something like that. So, um, meanwhile, Kelly is in her. In her um, murder hut. Kelly's in her celly, isn't she? She is getting a sandwich chucked at her. Luckily it was wrapped. Otherwise it would, the lettuce would have gone everywhere and it would have been gross. She's begging for her freedom um, and they don't care. I spent a lot of the note time this week not really knowing what the guys were called who were locking her up. So um, you're going to have to excuse me, Gemma, that there was a lot of mention of a character called Blokey in my notes here and, and that's the main one the scary one and he's actually called Kieran I found out as after Wednesday's episode I thought I better actually have a look at the credits and find out what these guys are called I, I think it was quite rude for them not to introduce themselves by name like, I know my name is Kieran I'll be your captor for this week yeah but it just made it very difficult Should've for me should have done that shouldn't they and um, the other one was called Ross the kind of more round faced guy um, but I don't know they're, they're going to be kind of fairly interchangeable throughout this I reckon Gary goes over to the shop to, to see what Ardy has to say and he's very concerned to hear that Kelly stood Ardy up yesterday and so he she wasn't at his house last night. Oh yeah, he was like, you know, did Kelly stay with you last night? And Ardy tells him about what happened with her giving money away and Gary then wants to know exactly who she's been giving the money back to. Who would have thought this could have gone wrong? <laughs> Maria... Um, meets up with Gary in the flat and he tells her what he's found out and says he's going to head over to the estate, you know, where all those... Oh, not the estate. It's full of wrong people live and try to <laughs> the find The actual her. working class. The, the, where the people who don't if know what yoga working is. working at all. Yoga is there. <laughs> so, um, Kelly's captor comes in to see her and... Uh, Kieran. He says... I used to know your dad, Rick, and we had unresolved issues and I want you to help me resolve them, which yes. is very sinister. I enjoyed, the, I can't remember whether it was this scene or whether it was later on, him saying about he also knew the other Windasses because he said, did he say he went to school with Len. Uncle Len? Yeah. Didn't he, who was the, um, the, the chabbiest of all Windasses. Yeah, he was, he was a really kind of seedy, dodgy bloke in the early days when the Windasses were themselves quite a bit chavier. But um, yeah, he said he went to school with Uncle Len and he said, well, he said your mum's a right goer or something as well. I which I always find hilarious. Just a little, little bit more, kick, get the boot into Anna Windass. <laughs> so, Kieran? Yes. Says, I'm going to get you, Kelly, to send a message to Gary, pretending to be yourself, saying that you're fine. Pretending to be yourself. Pretending to be fine. He, he gets her to write a message, doesn't he? Oh, no, he... He gets. He says, "Like, what? What shall I say to Gary to make out to make him think that you're okay?" And she's very smart. You, you do it. No, you carry on. No, no, go for it. Back to you. He makes her unlock her phone and taps away at it, and then he get Gary gets a message from Kelly saying, "I'm fine. I'm with my friend. Can you let Mum know I'm okay?" And he's like, "And then I like this. I as I remember it. Maybe this isn't how it really happened. But Gary and me are like, but her mother's dead." 
And I'm sure she knows her mother's dead. <laughs> in fact, as I recall, she was there when she died. She's crawling right all over her. <laughs> That's not something you tend to forget. Not really, no. Not so, not. Hang it's... on a minute. Yeah. This must, must be a secret coded message. I thought it was smart. K- Kieran, Keenan, Kelly. Keenan Kel. and Kel, yeah. Um, the guy gets... Oh yeah, Kieran and Kel. That's what we should call this episode. What's he get? He get tells Kelly that he used to be Rick's business partner until he cheated him out of 50 grand and he wants it back. And Kelly's like, I don't have that much money. He only left me a few grand. And they said, well, you need to get that 50k if you want to leave here alive. <laughs> Gary and Maria are getting a bit worried, um, but they know now she's got her phone on her. I don't know why they think that she's the one with the phone. Um, and they think they can track her position. Um... They don't know, do they? No. The first. I shouldn't have written that note down. I mean, they've probably explained somehow why they couldn't use the tracking on her well, maybe phone. Maybe she's turned it off. If I was a teenage if, girl and I didn't have my parents were dead, I definitely wouldn't have a tracking. If I was phone. holding somebody captive, I'd probably get them to turn off location services as well. <laughs> I'm smart like that. <laughs> the guys tell Kelly they're going to get what they're owed and they lock her in the murder hut and, and leave. And for some reason, then they leave their, her phone right in front of her um through a hole in the window um so she um she uses her non-branded personal voice assistant <laughs> yeah she she says kelly's phone phone gary doesn't she yeah. Which, that'd be quite handy if you could change the name of your voice assistant because some Maybe people don't can. like them called siri or alexa can't say it too loud she's not listening she's not listening to me but yeah, to be, I, I don't think, I think this isn't a thing. I mean, we, we may be wrong, but I don't think there's any assistant like that I where you know. can change the name of it, because that'd be very handy. I don't know. What would you call yours? Um. Because I caught, caught you off guard there. Phone. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I might, I might want to name, maybe we could call it Cobble. Yeah, to, Cobble. Or, or Steve Fisher. That's what it reminded me of, Cobble. <laughs> it does, you, you, wrote, hey, a, you wrote a tweet about that, didn't you? About the, got it. I think a few people got okay. the reference the Coronation Street's April Fool's this year. That was but, great. Yeah. The whole wall could have been made up of cobbles. That would have been quite a, a twist, wouldn't it? She said, hey, cobble, and then the whole, the whole room lit up. Blows. Yeah. How can I help you, Kelly? Hi, Kelly. Are you stuck in a murder hut? <laughs> Don't worry, it's all part of a complaining plot. I'll leave you here. You won't be out by Wednesday, it's fine. Yeah, Cobble wouldn't rescue you because Cobble wants the TV show Coronation Street yeah. to get high in the ratings. In <laughs> fact, it might Cobble might decide to land on your head to make it even more dramatic. <laughs> Can you imagine if if that yeah if they had Cobble as a as a personal assistant on Coronation Street and it just turned into on a murderous rampage? Fl- well, you know the, the there is a, the worry get, that the AI to is going to turn ratings. evil. Yeah, yeah, maybe that'd be that that I'd watch it. Maybe if it's an online spin-off, or maybe next year's April Fools. What happened next, Gemma? Artie comes around the flat to check if they've heard from Kelly and Gary says she's texted so she must be okay and they've been really shady and not telling mm. Artie the truth. So he goes and he believes them. But then when he goes, Gary says to Maria, we don't need everyone to know about this because it won't help. They're just being selfish trying to keep the storyline to themselves. <laughs> it's like, don't let Artie in this story. <laughs> Poor Ardy, he's just he can't catch well, a break with stories, story, can yeah. he? He's like goes out with Summer for a bit, no, that's gone. Gets in, involved in a flaming inferno of a car crash, story for a bit, no, gone. He's going to take down Deb's business empire, no, no that story doesn't go anywhere. This is his chance. Anyway, meanwhile, Kelly's using her uh, Kelly's phone voice assistant to phone Gary. What a brilliant idea! If only Gary was n- not stupid. 
It would have worked. <laughs> Gary leaves his phone just on the side. And I know people do this, but to me it's mental. What's the point of having a portable phone if you don't port it about? <laughs> it goes straight to voicemail. And then, and then um, to make things worse, the goon, who I've forgotten, um, Bob, comes and takes the phone the back. So they're like, well, that didn't work. Remember. The thing is about when, when you're remotely controlling your phone, you can't control what, you know, if it's lighting up or anything. No. Hide it. So um, their solution to this, tie her to the bars of the wall. Why? She can still use her voice. She can shout really loud if they're going to leave it out on the side. But they should have gagged her. a lesson from that. They should, shouldn't they? Gary tells Maria, I suppose she can't eat a sandwich if she's gagged. <laughs> she's probably quite difficult to eat a sandwich if your wrists are tied up to the wall as well, to be fair. <laughs> Gary goes to the shop to find out if... What if she had like a, a, a smartwatch on that she could use to phone Gary? <laughs> Heaven's sake, stop trying to rescue yourself. Um, Gary goes to the shop to find if Adam's heard from Kelly. No. Ardie smells a rat, but Gary says, everything's fine, don't worry. And then um, we sit, look, see Ardie's phone and he's messaged her loads and she hasn't replied once. Take the hint. <laughs> then we get... Kieran. Kieran ringing Gary from Kelly's phone saying, hello, Gary, I want 50 grand by tomorrow and if you um, want to see her again, don't call the police. Mm-hmm. So this was interesting because, as usual in Coronation Street... People will say, oh no, we need to come up with 50 grand by tomorrow or blah, blah, blah. And then they somehow get quite a lot of money from nowhere. I know. And it's like, so handy to be able to just put your hands on that. Gary's like, oh, we don't have 50 grand. And the difference between Coronation Street, I don't have 50 grand, and real life 50 grand is that in real life, you, if you say you don't have 50 grand and you don't, you don't have 50 grand. <laughs> I mean, I could almost, I can kind of understand it with Gary because we have seen him with copious amounts of cash in the past, haven't we? His Rick Nealon money and there's also, the, you know, the stuff that came out under the floorboards and that. But, but even so, they, they always somehow manage to find a way for characters who need huge oodles of cash to be able to get it very shortly after, yeah, moaning that they can't do it. How do you do it, Corey? Anyway... He's got the money and he gets £24,000 ready for Wednesday's episode, which isn't everything, but it's a start. So on Wednesday, Kelly wakes up in her cell and she is hungry and she needs the loo. She tells... <laughs> Kieran or the other one. <laughs> um, and he says, I'll see what I can do. Well, can you... Where's the bucket? There's not been a bucket in this murder hut. Didn't on... think, think, think of everything. She's been holding it this whole time. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, considering it was the end of Friday's episode. She's going to do herself a mischief. <laughs> Over at the Windasses, Liam's been told that Kelly is staying with her mate for a while. Gary and Maria are having a little bit of a hushed whisper conversation about what they should do next. And he's like, I'm not going to the police and I'm not giving them any money until I know that Kelly's all right. And then Maria gets a call from Craig to go to the police station. So, at the police station... Officer Craigie tells Maria that they have arrested the creepy guy from the council meeting last week for planting the tracker on him. Yeah, on Maria isn't sure at that point what she's being called in for, does she? Is she? Because they think, or maybe she's thinking, oh, maybe they found her or something like that. But it's just uh, that other story which we've forgotten about already. Although they do tie it very nicely into what happens on today's episode. Well, the this um, guy that is the one who tracked her is not the one she thought it was. No, it's not Jimmy. It's the creepy one who he told her that he liked her porn film. Yes. Which is even worse because it shows her that because she's a public figure as a woman, 
there are more than there's going to be more than one person who is creepy and scary enough to send mm. you death threats and track you. Yeah. So that, that said, to me would have been even more scary than. They also said that this guy had been putting trackers in load of women's bags and things, so he's a bit notorious for it. He's a bit of a wally then, isn't he? Yeah, it? a bit of one. Back at home, Gary tells Maria that he scraped together half of the cash, but he can't get any more than that. And then the bloke phones up and Gary tells him, I've got what you want. Meet me in the car park, but I'm not, I'm not giving it to you till I see that Kelly is safe. And Maria's like, oh, this is a dangerous game. Over in the cellar, they tell Kelly that they're off to see Gary and he has the money. And she's like, let me come. Like, it's not an outing. It's not a trip. <laughs> Stay here. So Kelly then hears a police siren go past and she's shouting, but obviously they can't hear her. Which I think, really, police sirens, double-edged sword, isn't it? On the one hand, they're like, don't worry, we're coming. Or watch out, criminals, we're on the way. But also, they can't hear people screaming for help in murder Very hats. good point. They didn't think about this, have they? <laughs> Especially in Weatherfield, that murder hats everywhere. Yeah. Gary waits in an empty car park and another car pulls up and he's like, here's, here's not all the money. And they're like, no, we don't accept instalments. We're not Argos. <laughs> but Argos do sponsor this show if you'd like to buy some very lovely Habitat furniture for your murder hat. They stand firm, they've got the full amount, they're not intimidated by him in the least, which is not surprising because he's not very intimidating. They take the bag, they get in the car and they're like, drive around him in a circle <laughs> like a toddler on a tricycle. <laughs> they do, don't they? It's like, thanks for the money, sucker. Bye. I love that. I'm surprised they didn't go toot toot as they left <laughs> in triumph. So, Blokey goes back to the cellar and says to Kelly, you haven't got all the money, you're not going anywhere. I really want that money because my girlfriend wants a second-hand Tesla for her birthday. Product placement, that isn't it? Mm. I want a second hand Tesla. 50 grand. Makes sense. It's about half the amount of a normal one, isn't it? They're very expensive. <laughs> no idea. Gary shows up at the cellar and he, because, dun dun dun, he put a tracker in the hold all with the cash. Yeah, this this was a bit of a, a surprise entrance from Gary, wasn't it? They didn't ex- they didn't show, you know, anything apart from, here I am, I'm here. No, or, or looking like he had a plan. The last no. that we'd seen him was him going, Casa. He's just standing there looking a bit stupid in the car park. Yeah. Although I suppose at the time he was, you know, Thinking secretly being triumphant because he did have a plan all along. He put a tracker in the bag, which oh, I Gary. thought was a very nice link to the other story. Well done. Thank goodness for that person that trapped Maria because otherwise Gary probably wouldn't have thought about it. Can I just say how, what, what a massive risk this was? While your wife is being investi- is having an investigation open about a dodgy person who's put a tracker in your phone, hmm. are you really going to go, I mean, in your bag, go online and buy a tracker yourself and create a, like, a paper trail of you having a history <laughs> of buying tracking devices that mysteriously go missing? It's fine by this point because we... we well, luckily for him, the Weatherfield Police don't investigate anything yeah. to any, any extent. So I, I, as a viewer, I'm just kind of left a bit confused about what I should be thinking about trackers at this point. Like, are evil. they bad or are they very handy? Can you I just use don't them? know. I suppose when you use them for the power of good, they're good, just like anything else. Mm. Just like a hammer, you know? You can use it to put up a picture, but you can also hammer your husband to death when he's sleeping. <laughs> and I, I don't know how you came straight to that one. It's not specific. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. This is your plan. No, because like, that, and that's why they're not illegal, I suppose because we were talking about this in the podcast last week weren't we this this should be illegal but no it's fine that's what the policeman should have said good for crime solving it's like should we make hammers illegal should we because you can use them to actually write that down we should probably make hammers illegal (laughs) so um gary shows up like i said i'm sure you guys are excited to hear what happens next 
Um, I think they know. He quickly tries to untie Kelly and then Blokey comes up behind him and just punches him in the, on the head and he falls unconscious Classic. on the floor. I've, I've missed Gary being beaten up when he's attempting to be heroic and brave. He always does try, doesn't he? And it's weird to me that he doesn't really have a reputation for being somebody that shows up and just collapses on the floor. I'm surprised that he hasn't developed any kind of brain damage or anything up to this has. point. The number of times that he's been whacked over the head he's with various good... objects judgment has he so no but i enjoyed it so um she he's on the floor and then along comes uh blokey's talking to his mate on the phone and he says come round we we need to kick gary and we've got him on the floor they've got some steel toe-capped boots that they're going to give him a right laying into with and kelly's like oh that you know what that would be good because why don't I kick someone to death? I've got blood on my trainers and they were white ones. Yeah, if only these... they'd had steel toe cap What colour are your boots? Are they sort of like a rusty brown? Because that would really work perfectly with the my blood, murder wardrobe. The blood rubs right off of steel toe cap boots probably, doesn't it? Well, she, that's going to show you that even though she was a murderer, <laughs> she wasn't professional. No. So we should forgive her. <laughs> no, I think that Corey should have said that that just proves that it wasn't um, premeditated Seb kicking. Oh, Because if it was, true. I'd have brought along with steel toe cap boots. Yeah, that's very true. Football boots, probably. Mm. Unbeknownst to the the evil ones, Kieran. Gary is un- is conscious now. Yes. And Ga- Kelly can see that he is, and she's untying herself. I don't know why. Oh, Gary loosened the rope, so she yeah. quickly unties, untying herself secretly. And then K- Kieran... Turns his back in triumph, like, ha ha ha, no one can defeat me. And Gary jumps on him, and they have a tussle. It looks like Gary's going to throttle him and, and kill him, like he did with Rick. But Kelly's still there, remember? Um, she whacks uh, Loki around the head with a crowbar, knocks him out cold. And before they escape, Gary's like, give me the crowbar. I'm going to kill him. And she's like, no. And then eventually he leaves with her, and she throws the crowbar down, and they run off. Um... And they go back home. This was quite interesting, wasn't it? Because this is the second time now that Kelly... And I'm going to be sensible now. This is the second time now that Kelly's been in the presence of a man who is trying to kill somebody on the floor. Mm. And the first time, she didn't do anything about it, really, or she couldn't stop him from doing it. But this time, she has. She's managed to prevent the murder from happening. And But the thing is, though, I don't think that she has... I think this is kind of screwed with the head a bit more. Like, for me, you know, this could have been like a redemption story where, you know, these two things happen and she redeems herself the second time by preventing... Mm. Uh, but she seemed quite disturbed, I suppose, you, you know, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah, she was properly... Um, yeah, she was properly... Uh, She'd been in a murder disturbed, hut. is right. When she gets back home, she's... Um... She's like, I was in a murder hut and they gave me a prawn mayonnaise sandwich and I wasn't really sure whether it had been refrigerated properly. <laughs> And then it they wouldn't give so me a bucket. A, it wasn't so much a hut. A hut kind of seemed quite nice, like wooden walls with maybe a few plants creeping in and some tropical music playing or something. It was it was much more of a murder cellar to me. Okay. <sighs> Gary and uh, Kelly get back and they tell Maria what's happened and Kelly's looking a bit sad, shell-shocked. They've been to the police and the police, like, very, very efficient in this case. They say, well, it sounds like you've told us your side of the story and it... Uh, we're not going to bother to investigate. Sounds like um, whacking them on the head was reasonable force. You're not going to get in trouble. Um, which is bizarre. <laughs> like, they didn't go to the bloke. What happened? 
Did you feel that you were whacked over the head with reasonable force, or was it more than you actually deserved by being an evil kidnapper? Yeah. Well, they've gone off to try and find this bloke, haven't they? And we find out on Friday's episode in the in the first scene, I think, that he's on the run. I think that's what it is. I th- I, I wasn't clear, and I did rewatch some of this this morning as well. But I think the police have tried to find him, but they can't. Classic. Yes. He's like a witch when you land a house on him, just disappears. And yeah. all that's left is his beautiful shoes, steel-capped. Yeah, so they've not even boots. been able to, like, investigate how his head's doing. Like, what's the what's the depth of the indentation caused They're by like, this crowbar look, attack? It must have been reasonable. You're Kelly, you'd never do anything too To be too frank, wrong. we could investigate this, but I don't know that I can be bothered. Hmm. And we've got biscuits, so we'll do that. <laughs> so anyway, post-bath... Kelly asked Gary if he was going to kill Kieran, Keenan, and he says the world is better off without some people. And she says, like my dad, and he's like, oh, not like your dad, I don't don't know what you mean. (laughs) um, She says to him that she relies on him, so does Maria and Liam, and I think Sprog gets a name check. Who's which Sprog? Oh, Jack. Oh, Zach. I think she mentions... Jack as well. Does she? And Zach. What and, and that Jake, just Jake and Zach and he's got he's got so many kids. This was so a funny thing, it just kind of highlighted what a b- bad parent he is, that <laughs> he also has two additional children that apparently rely on him, but he never talks to. Um what or would, about. <laughs> no. What would have happened to them if they'd arrested um Gary? Uh, has he ever lost it like this before? And he's like, No. I'm surprised they didn't try to make more parallels between this and... I think they still will. Yeah. On Friday, Kelly's had a nightmare about the cellar and the prawn sandwich. And Gary says, not to not to fuel your nightmares, but the man that did this to you is on the run. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't go out today. And she's like, no way. I'm not going to hide myself. I've done nothing wrong. Inadvisable. Kelly goes into the shop later and she apologises to Ardy for not going to the date um, and so she's like, stuff came up and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get there. Can we try again? And he agrees. So they have their date later and it gets a bit awkward. And Ardy puts his foot in it by. Um, yeah, by, by joy. I don't know what you mean. Here. I don't know. I don't know. But he says something goofy. And later on, there's something about him. Um, somebody talks about him. Was it Asher maybe? Or somebody says he's dithering at the doorstep and whether he's going to kiss Kelly or not. But yeah, he asked her about the, the, what she's been through and stuff and it's all a bit awkward. Well, yeah, but they do get some free samosas. Yeah, that are sweet, sweet ones. Samosas. I've never heard of sweet samosas. Me neither, sounds nice. You, I don't think you'd like them because they probably haven't put fruit in them. I would not. Well, it depends what fruit. Raisins no. and apples. No. That's what how I imagined. I imagined <laughs> them being strudels, actually, now I think about it. <laughs> yeah, not, fil- not chocolate filled, which is what I'd like. Mm, they might be, though. They're gloopy. No, nice. Well, we'll have to do some research. Kelly comes home. You can home. put what you fancy in it, really. Bit of caramel, bit of cream, bit of custard. Oh, yeah, custard samosas. You have to deep fry them. I don't care. I don't what need to bother myself them? with the knowledge details. of how cooking works. I just have it <laughs> brought to me. Yeah, I know this. Um, Kelly comes home after the date and she says, that was nice and normal, just what I wanted right now. Mm-hmm. The end. So it kind of it trailed off a little bit by Fridays, didn't it? But um, I thought that this was a really strong story this week. How did you uh, How did you enjoy Kelly's ordeal? Um, it was <clears throat> not. I mean, again, it's one of these things where it's like I, I don't think that Kelly Nealon's going to get killed in a murder cellar by somebody that nobody really knows what their name is. So I think she'll be all right. 
So, yeah, well, I mean, I never thought that she was going to be in any great peril. And but... it also it wasn't a question of, ooh, how is she going to get out of this one? Because I'm like, she's going to get rescued by Gary. She could have still escaped. Or she could have escaped. I know, but it's not like... It's like the solution to this problem is something we've seen about a million times. Mm. I, I went into this story because I, I saw about this like a little spoiler picture of it a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately. I saw Kelly in a, in a cellar and my immediate reaction was this, was to just give a big sigh and go, oh, there we go. Kelly's going to get herself in trouble again. Another story about St. Kelly and oh dear, damsel in distress and we're all going to have to feel sorry for Kelly and it's probably going to be a bit rubbish. But I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that it was it was well done. I thought that the, the villains were... were effective enough I didn't think that they were you know they weren't two comedy villains were they no I I just think there wasn't a lot of interaction between Kelly and and her captors was there or anything it, it really wasn't a big story which makes me think that the fact that this guy's also done a runner mm. it makes me think that this was just sort of a setup for us to be introduced to this villain yeah. so that he'll come back at a later date and then we'll be like oh we're intimidated because he's got he's got form but i thought he was very intimidating in the scenes he that he scary. had he was proper scary he, he was scary no mick, he was no mick the gangster was he no. he gave me a little idea he made me think a little bit of rick Nealon with that kind of evil glint that he had in his eyes and sometimes villains just do not work and they and they you know they couldn't frighten her, couldn't say boo to a goose. Is that the word? <laughs> you, you can say boo to a goose, but they don't respect it. No, but I, I thought he did a good job. And um, I I was definitely expecting her to be holed up in the cellar for a lot longer. I don't know whether I was just thinking back to the Andy Carver story and thinking about the weeks that he was down there and whether it was going to turn into that. And I think that's maybe part of the problem that I had when I saw the, the picture of it. I thought, oh, great, now we're going to be treated to weeks of Kelly being all sad and pathetic in the cellar and there's going to be a manhunt for Kelly and it's going to be everyone going, oh, poor Kelly, poor Kelly. But I think it was probably good for the story that it was over and done with, or this, this part of it, in two days because it was all nicely condensed. Um, I thought that the set itself was quite good. Did you? Did you? Were you convinced that they were in some dank celery pit somewhere? Yeah, in fact, it was so convincing that I had to go downstairs just to check it wasn't being filmed in our basement. We, we, if we wanted to kidnap somebody, we, we have got the perfect downstairs area for it. Yeah, but I think our neighbours would complain. We'd have, to, we'd have to tidy up first because we got our standards. Up. No, throw them in like that go look if you don't like it you tidy it up but if they were a resourceful kind of um kidnappy then a uh, sort of hostage then they might be able to cobble together something to escape that's all i'm worried if about if they're probably resourceful they can be like our cat abby and just walk through the wall go into the workshop and just eat all yeah, the food maybe. out of the chest freezer but no i thought i thought the set was good i thought it was fa- fairly convincing um the 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 apart from there were some publicity stills that were released from this um and there it looked a lot settier. It was like the lighting on it, on the publicity Probably stills. Probably the lighting that does a lot of that. It, it, it was. But actually in the show itself, I, you, I could have been convinced that they were actually in a, in a cellar somewhere. It, it did the job for me. It was dank enough. It was dark enough. I thought, I thought they did a good job. Um, and as for the escape scene itself... I was really impressed by that because I didn't, I wasn't expecting Gary to come to her aid quite so quickly and I thought that using the tracker was very, very clever and the, the bit where he was you know, laid out on the floor and she was whacking him with the crowbar, I thought they did a good job of kind of keeping us on the edge of the seat there. I didn't know what was going to happen. When she actually whacked him, I was like, oh my gosh, has she killed him? The bit where Gary was rolling over on top of him, I was, I didn't know whether he was going to kill again. Did you, were you wondering whether he was going to um, claim again. a third victim? I don't think I was, but now you say it, it sounds more exciting the way 
<laughs> it was. I thought, I I thought it was super exciting. Um, and then the whole thing about, you know, give me the crowbar, because he obviously wanted then to get his fingerprints on it, didn't he? So that... Is that, don't you is think? That, I thought he, no, I thought he said, give me the crowbar, I'm going to smash his head in. Oh, did you? Oh, really? Yeah, and that's why I said earlier about Kelly's preventing another murder. I wasn't sure. I, I Maybe you're right, but yeah, when I was watching it, I was reading it saying... Yeah, let me get let me get my fingerprints all over this. So if he is dead and if he's found, I'm going to take the rap for it. Oh, I thought no, he was being protected for. But it could have been that he actually was no, going to do it. I think he was going to. I think he was going to kill him. Mm, I, and that's why Kelly wouldn't give it to him. Why do you think Kelly wouldn't give it to him then? Because I thought that she was thinking, no, I don't want you to go down for this. I've just bludgeoned this guy possibly to death. Really I don't want you to take the rap for me. Okay, maybe we need to watch it again and decide what we think. Yeah, oh, I don't know. But anyway, might, yeah. so so that, that was cool. I, I I enjoyed that there were definite parallels to, to Rick's death there with him kind of rolling over the top of well, her. Well, okay, this, this goes to show you how violent these two characters are because there were parallels with Rick's death in that Gary was kind of very close to murdering somebody, again, who's close to Kelly. Mm. And there were parallels with um, Seb's death in that Kelly was involved in a crime where somebody was being incredibly violent and she had an opportunity to stop or try to stop them from doing it. Mm. Yeah. So I wonder now, like, it was it was also very interesting when she was saying at the end of that episode, I've never seen that side of you before. Have you ever been that violent again? And that's making before. me think, I've never seen you like that before. And that was making me think, so is, is this where the storyline's going to go down now? Is she actually going to uncover the truth about him killing her dad? I think this is the beginning of, of that story because she's quite clever she's going to start wondering like how much were you involved in what my dad did and and what did you actually do for my dad when you worked for him is that you know you felt it seemed like you were quite familiar with this and really thinking back i'm not sure what what kelly knows about gary i can't remember whether she knows that much about it because when no, she said i've much. never seen the side of you before i was thinking he does this all the time he's all he's always he's beating always, people he's up. always getting beaten up by goons <laughs> yeah no I, I know what you mean i i if they that, do that go... line was very important actually because i think it's important you know it establishes to the to the viewers that although we all know what gary's really like she doesn't and i think i don't really didn't really fully appreciate that mm. until they put that line in. I mean, she might also, like, talk to Maria, for example, and say, well... Maria's not going to say anything. She's... No, I know, but she might give a she might give a guilty look or something. If mm. she... I, ca- I can't remember exactly what detail Gary and Kelly have revealed to Maria. I'm not... I don't what? know how... Uh, you know, about, about, what, about what happened down there and about who laid out who and why it happened and the fact that Gary was really, you know, ready to kill this guy. I think... I feeling there was a line that said that they might be keeping that little detail from Maria. Um, but yeah, I, 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 if they do go down that route of Kelly finding out that it was him that killed Rick, I'd be pleasantly surprised because I thought that it had just been buried. I thought it was, you know, Laura had said that it was her what done it, taken the secret to her grave about the actual perpetrator of the crime. Um, and then that was it. And it was a way of keeping Gary Windass in the show, a little bit like, you know, with Callum's death. That's been the, the secret for you know, seven, eight years now, and it feels like Kylie, Sarah, David have got away with their involvement in Callum's death. So, but I've wanted Gary to be caught or found out or whatever for for ages now, and it just felt like they were saying, no, we want to keep him in the show. 
So I don't do. Do you think that he is? Do you think that if Ke- if Kelly finds out that it was him that did it, do you think that she'll keep quiet about it? If he says no, no, honestly, he jumped me. I was just defending myself. He said that he was going to go off and kill Sarah Louise. Do you think that would be enough for Kelly to say, "Oh, that's, that's all right then," or is would she report him? Say it all again. Is if Kelly finds out, if Gary admits, or if he over, she overhears Maria and Gary talking about it, oh, if she finds out she that finds he out, killed her will dad, she well, yeah. Because now she's been in two situations, hasn't she, where somebody's died or nearly died. Yeah, and it, and it's her dad who, you know, say what you like about him and his nefariousness, he was still her dad. I can't remember what she thought about him now. Um, well, she was upset when she found... She was mega upset with yeah, her mum when she thought that she killed her because she refused to go and see her mum on her deathbed, didn't she? <sighs> don't know. So I think that if she found out that Gary was the one that did it, because you never know and so do you temporarily at least for a few episodes you might be quite peeved at him (sighs) Mm. but it certainly left left the the story at an interesting um, point that I wasn't expecting it to go down like I've not particularly been a huge fan of all the Maria and Gary stuff over the past few weeks and all the environmental stuff's not been particularly interesting to me but now I'm kind of it's it's piqued my interest again so I think they've done a good job with it one thing I think that might be interesting is if she finds out that Gary did kill her dad and she forgives him immediately because she remembers what it was like when she's been confronted in that way. Mm. But then as she thinks about it more, she maybe she confides in somebody, she realises actually, no, this is psychopathic. And then she tra- kind of like plots revenge on him in some way. It's, oh, it's yeah. going to be more interesting if no matter what her initial reaction is, she changes her mind. In retrospect, but it would be more of a twist if she accepted him and then rejected him rather than the other way around because that's quite predictable, isn't it? Oh no, I can't believe you did it. And mm. actually, now I thought about it, he was a bit of a dick. So, well, we have seen from this week's episodes and other ones that she has got the capacity for evil scheming. I, I really like the thing that she did with the text message putting on about tell mum I'm okay. That's not evil scheming, that's being That's picky. smarts, smarts to get yourself out of a dodgy situation. I thought yeah. that it was clever but um, it was that was also a massive risk as well because if he'd have replied back to the text saying what are you on about? Your mum's dead. <laughs> Your mum's dead, you remember? Then that could have um, been yeah, a lot more Well Gary's, Gary's thick but only he's that thick. I think, I don't know. I think if I got something with somebody saying to me Oh, well you're going to get me killed then are you? I might so get you killed. if I'm kidnapped and I'm like um I'm I'm I, I'm okay. I'm just staying with a friend. Uh, say hi to your mum for me. You're gonna be like, she wants me dead. I probably wouldn't think. I think I'd probably really? just immediately reply back with you know a little question mark tap back or a uh, or a hmm emoji, and then I and then a few minutes later, um, I'd go, oh yeah, she was probably trying to tell me a She's secret. Being and murdered. then a few minutes after that, I'd probably like receive a little video message of you getting your head chopped off or something. Oh, no. I'd be like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't have been so quick to reply to oh, my text message. Oh, how am I going to get another co-host is for that, my podcast? Is that would that be if if, if you were in that situation? I can't situation, say that now, can I? Because what what would be your in case any of our listeners? Statistically speaking, you're more likely to be like attacked or murdered by somebody who knows you. Right. So if one of our listeners is going to kidnap you and yeah, hide exactly. you up in the cellar, what, what's your secret message? I'm not going to say because they'll hear me. What if it's not one of our listeners? I'll be like, um, I, I'm fine. Um, I can't wait to get back and record the show with you. Wink, And you'll wink. be like, ah. I'd get back and <laughs> I'd say, oh, Gemma, make sure you set EastEnders to record. That's a good one. Yeah. I'd say, Michael, don't forget, you're cooking dinner tonight. <laughs> that, that, that and you'd be like, be something's wrong. Can't <laughs> believe I'm not doing that. 
so I go, she's making me cook dinner. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> Can you help me? That's so funny. Okay, so strong start to the week, I thought, with this story. It, it, partly because it did take me by surprise about how much I enjoyed it. So um, let's move on to the, the Tyrone story and see what went there. And the last that we saw of him and Phil, they're on their little mini-moon in the hotel. But he's back from that on Monday. Why haven't we done um, a bit about when Tyrone and Alina broke up? And it should be called Tylone. Maybe we did. But why not? Why not? Um, any case, so Tylone is nice. I like Thank that. You. I just got that. <laughs> so Fizz is utterly exasperated by Tyrone because um, he wasn't able to get Phil to talk him out of trying to get back with her, which was part of the point of him going over there to try and persuade him or dissuade him from pursuing Fizz still. But anyway, they haven't got any time to think about all that now because they're off to couples therapy later and they go along to this place that... I'm interested to know whereabouts in the Corrie studios they film these scenes, but it looked like it was in some dodgy corridor somewhere, didn't it? It was just like breeze blocks on the wall, a couple of posters stuck up there to brighten the place up a bit. But if I was going to couples therapy, I'd probably want somewhere a little bit, you know, a little bit more nicely decorated than that. Let me feel a little bit more cosy. I don't know. So they're, they're there. They've got this woman and the, who's wanting to know about you know, how long they've been together. They talk about the girls and so on. Um, and then when prompted, Tyrone starts to talk about how things went a little bit south for the relationship and how he was tempted away by Alina. And it's all a bit awkward for him. But the therapist says, no, no, it's really important that everybody is open here about their feelings. And then she notices that Fizz is squirming a little bit when... when they, they kind of go down the route of talking about Alina. And, um, and Fizz says, well, yeah, it's quite difficult to forget her when he's got this AP tattoo on his leg. And I can't remember whether this... Did this tattoo... I think some people, um, and we didn't notice this ourselves, but they noticed that when he was at the hotel with Phil last week and he had his dressing gown or whatever, you could see the, uh, the Tyrone AP tattoo on there. Um... And I think there might have been a scene earlier in this week where he's like doing up his shoes or something and it, and it shows up. Or maybe that was on Wednesdays. I don't know. But anyway, um, that's that would be a, you know, that would be difficult to be able to ignore, wasn't it? Um, if, you, if your partner's got a tattoo, maybe if you're into, into, you know, if you're into foot stuff or whatever, then you're never really going to be able to ignore that. I... I well, Fizz says at the beginning of the week, I don't like the tattoo and I can't deal with it. But actually, she start, she kind of acts like she doesn't care about it for the rest of the week. Well, that's because it's been it's been put, uh, tattooed over the top of by the rest of the week. It kind of turns into a bit of a joke. I was when I thought that I would just be furious. I would be so furious with him. I wouldn't get back with him. I all. know. But like the idea that you, you're with a man who raised children with you for years and years and years with no no commitment to you whatsoever, and then as soon as a fleece comes along, he's tattooing her bloody initials on his leg. Such a stupid <laughs> idiot. Well, so you know, ridiculous. Tyrone was persuaded to do lots of things that he wouldn't normally be comfortable oh, with doing when he was getting out with Alina, I didn't he? I hate like it. Like wearing so those tight, tight trousers. They both deserve misery. I suppose that having a tattoo of an ex-partner's name or initials or face or whatever on your body is something that quite a lot of couples have to deal with. It's interesting. Because not everybody is, you know, a one-woman guy like me. Oh, really? Um... So I imagine, yeah, I guess that lots of people must have partners with somebody else's name on them. And that would be really annoying. I wouldn't like, like that. We've already got, you know, T uh, David has got his Tina tattoo on his shoulder, hasn't but he, David Platt? But that's different, because she was mur murdered. 
Yeah, that's true. I said, but even... Uh, yeah, I guess that, that that is different. You think, well, I won there, says Shona. I was shot in a box and I'm fine. Yeah. Kylie, yeah. what a weakling. Gets stabbed once and then bleeds out on the street and that's it for her. Tina get pushed off the side of her. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's, it's, yeah, it's Tina. He's got the tattoo. It's not Kylie, isn't it? Yeah. Tina can't even survive being pushed off the garage, um, the, the, the builder's yard and getting hit over the head with a crowbar. In, in many ways, when Shona was shot in a box, she probably thought, well, I kind of had this coming, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, just going out with David. Yeah. It's going to get you eventually. Um, but I'm surprised and- that Emma was the one who ran a bloke over, not the other way around. <laughs> um, anyway, so they come back from therapy later. They're all loved up and everything, but Fizz is still bringing up this tattoo. She just cannot deal with it. Um, Wednesday's episode... Um, Tyrone's got a plan for what he's going to do with this tattoo and I th- what he actually ends up doing it is far more extravagant than what I was expecting I was thinking like he's got an AP and he's got a TY and what, what words could you turn that into so I thought like the AP might he turn into a happy or something and I don't know what TY could turn into um, unity or something like that but he's he's got his plan and it's fairly obvious that he was going to he was going to go and do something with it I mean, um, so he goes, um, so he's off doing that on Wednesday. Fizz and Phil, meanwhile, are having a chat in the bistro. And she's still saying that she wants an annulment. It's for the best, for the both of us. Um, She asks about the mini-moon. He tells them about all the war films that they watch together. And he jokes that Tyrone has got a thing for men in uniform. And Fizz says, oh, he's not the only one, Um, which gives him an idea. And that reminded me as well of Fizz's... Um, brother Billy, who has been completely forgotten about, and the only time we've ever seen him was in his army uniform. But anyway, Phil shows up at the factory later with his pilot's hat on, um, which, did you borrow it from a mate or something? Do you remember where he said he got this from? But wherever it was, he wasn't able to get the whole uniform, and he tries to lift her up like in that famous movie scene. Do you know the one it was trying to reference? Simpsons did a parody of it as well one time. There, do, 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 do. You know? You know, I don't Gemma? know what you're talking about. There's a famous scene where somebody goes into a factory and lifts a their... A factory? I think so. Are or, or maybe about Top Gun? I don't think it was Top Gun. Well, they have a Navy factory for people that fly planes. I don't think it was that. No, there's a film. I've not actually seen the original film this was based on. I've just Is seen The Richard Simpsons. Gere? I've just seen The Simpsons parody of it before. And I'm basing it on that, where somebody goes into a factory and Homer takes Marge off and... And, and, and go into the sunset and he was going to do that with her but anyway he tries to lift Fizz up but she spends too many times doing parodies of movies he does doesn't he um she's she's a little bit too heavy for him so he does his back in and that's the end of that so Fizz has to take him to the medical center where he makes a bit of a pillock of himself when he's giving his um, details to the to the woman behind the desk and he's just being a little bit you know, over friendly and stuff speaking of which Gemma woman behind the desk not Moira disgusting uh, this could have been the grand return of Moira Pollock and they wasted it by by some poor woman who was, did a fairly decent job as being a behind-the-desk lady at the medical centre, but I'm sure around the country everyone was just saying, no, but what about Moira? Anyway, um... I think what? it was an officer and a gentleman. That's it, that's what I'm thinking but of. I haven't that's, seen it because it sounds crap. That sounds about right to me. Um, anyway, so he's being overly jovial at the desk. And he sits down and he starts to complain very loudly about everybody sitting around on their phones being a bunch of miserable buggers or whatever. And while they're waiting, Fizz is apologising to him for everything and says, oh, yeah, I've got back... It, 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 what does he know at this point? He still doesn't know that Tyrone and Fizz... He doesn't know that they're back together at this point, does he? 
I can't remember. Don't think so. Anyway, no, of course he doesn't. He doesn't know that. So um, anyway, um, she says, it was all my fault. We need to move on. And finally, he very graciously admits defeat and says, right, I'm not going to pest you again. I'll sign the annulment forms tomorrow. Then it's going to be over with. You've, you've won, Fizz. You have got me out of your life. Back at home, Boo. Tyrone reveals that he has had the AP tattoo changed into a very dodgy looking portrait of Fizz. And that, that really caught me off guard. I thought that was hilarious. He's, he, he could have done that in a less, he could have done it in a more subtle manner, couldn't he? But he's, a, he's got this big Fizz face on him and it says Ty, no, it says T and then Fizz. It doesn't even... It's like it's saying tut fizz, which is what they say when they're having a celebration. Bring out tut fizz. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he... Uh, he also spells the name wrong. Yes, he spells it wrong, which was brilliant because we were always seeing people spelling fizz with double Zs on social media and things, Just remember, we? everyone, it's one Z for fizz and two Ls for Phil. It is very confusing. But I knew, I think that was a little dig from the writers about everybody always forgets how they spell the name. And fizz of Tyrone, we like saying... It doesn't matter, it's a nickname. It doesn't matter how you spell it. I, that would be so offensive to me. I wouldn't <laughs> me even too. Get to speak. I know. She's like, I've been First on the character all, in this for almost 20 years. Wrong, and then you deny the importance of spelling and grammar to my face. <laughs> but it did make me think, like, has he ever seen it written down? Because I imagine all, like, the official post and everything that comes through still says Fiona on. Yeah. But it's then not... if people were sending, like, Christmas cards... Maybe it's going to have fizz with one Z. She just put up with it, and she she now realises she should have corrected it the first time. But he must have seen other people writing in Christmas cards and birthday cards with one Z. I, I'm anyway, starting to was, wonder if he I can read it. at all. Well, that was his. That was one of his early stories. Not been able to read properly, wasn't it? And he got Ken to give him lessons. But anyway, well, Ken, I, he, should, he should give his Ken should give his money back. Uh, I found it hilarious, um, and it, it made and it, no, was it just annoyed me. Cherry on the top for this when she says, "Look, you can always have the extra Z removed. It's fine." And he says, "Don't be silly. You can't get tattoos removed." And then kind of, and then it transpires that if he knew about this or thought about it a little bit harder, he could have just got the original tattoo removed rather than having a tattoo that was about three times as big being plastered over the top of it. Um, she, luckily for him, finds it all hilarious and um, they're just having a That's little loved up laugh. That's why she she's getting. <laughs> We're definitely not on the same page about this storyline, are we? I don't laugh about infidelity. <laughs> Friday's episode... Fizz and Evelyn are still ribbing Tyrone about this massive tattoo. Um, and they, But they also kind of talk about the annulment hopefully being sorted today. So Fizz meets up with Phil in the cafe. Um, and it seems like he's still not built up the courage to sign the forms yet. He just oh, this, can't so mean. Like, this is so important to him. He cared about her so much. I know. Nobody's appreciating how difficult this is. And she's just acting like he's an inconvenience. And she's very sympathetic and everything. But she does not understand at all. She doesn't. She she doesn't. She's so selfish. I know, but I'm still on their side. No. He says, look, I still love you and I can't imagine living without you. Um, and he puts the envelope down and he's like, no, not signing it yet. You're too good for them, Phil. So what he does is he thinks of another plan, which is to go to marriage guidance sessions. And this was another, like, a bit like the Gary suddenly appearing in the cellar. This was a non-built-up-to scene, wasn't it? It's just like, and... Here they are yeah. in the office. And they show them the pair of them talking. 
um, about their, their problems or whatever. And then the camera switches over to the counsellor and it's the same person and that Fizz and Tyrone were there. She's looking at Fizz like <laughs> she an absolute... She really is. I thought that was a really great reveal of her. It was funny. It's so, so funny. But um, she kind of put... Well, she doesn't put her foot in it. It's not, it's not her problem to... It's no, not I her, don't care. She doesn't have to police the... I'm not, I'm not involved in other people's infidelity. Don't tell me yeah. what you're up to. I don't so she it. refers to her as Fizz and feels like, hang on a minute, how do you know what her name is? How do you know, Or how do you know what her <laughs> nickname is, I suppose? Because he probably would have had to have put Fiona on the paperwork or whatever. Um, and, she, and she's like, oh, you gave... You, you told me when you booked the session and he buys this excuse and That's they carry on. he's a nice person. I know he is a lovely person. Oh, Phil starts, for president. I know. Um, he opens up about what's happened and the woman makes a very pointed comment about the importance of honesty in relationships and Fizz says that she's wrong. I've just written Fizz in the know, notes with two that. Zs here. I thought that's good. That's what she deserves. <laughs> she says that she's right and says, I am never going... My, my no, honesty, she says you're right. Honest, honesty is yeah. important. So, and I'm going to be honest here and say, I am never going to love you, Phil, the way that you want. And she says, you'll always be Mr. Right, just not Mr. Right for me. So they go home. You had plenty of time to say this. I know, I know. They go home and tells Tyrone and Evelyn what's happened and she says it was super awkward and everything but at least Phil has agreed to sign the annulment papers if I was later. The, if I was this um, therapist, I'd, I'd like go, thanks, thanks, Fizz, um, you can go now. And then I'd say to Phil, like, sign those papers. She's a nightmare. I know. I, I don't normally say this but you, you can't save this. So some people, you can't, you just can't win. She's so, a nightmare woman. Um, Evelyn goes to the pub later and Phil's there and she's saying, come on, sign these papers, get some self-respect, sign the forms. She's kind of persuading him to say that... Who's saying that? Evelyn. Yeah. She's saying, look, you're better off without her. Um, yeah. Obviously, she's not doing this as a dig to Fizz and Tyrone because she wants them to get back together, but to but try and make him... But she's telling the truth. Like, if yeah. you're being, if you're being um, nice and kind and not judgmental mm. for once, which is, you know, good for Evelyn for, tr- for trying it out... <laughs> she would say you, there's no happiness here yeah you're, you're they're meant to be together you're not going to win this one yeah you should just you, should, you know the truth now move on with your life mm. you're going to have a good life you're going to have your own family but you can't be, do that with her yeah and he says fine I'll sign the forms but I need to have Fizz here by my side when I'm doing it I'm just going to ring her up to see if she can come round and watch me sign but wait a minute what's this my phone is gone um, where did I leave it? Where could I have possibly left my phone? So Fizz goes to the therapist later again, this time with Tyrone, and the woman's like, oh, she's, she's coining it in this week, isn't she? I know, this is why I'm thinking now is the right time for Toya to return to counselling because this woman's obviously taken all of her business. Yeah, obviously. Um, so the woman is completely exasperated by the whole situation and she says, look, Fizz, Phil deserves to know the truth. But then, what do you know, Phil barges into the room because there was nobody at reception or something. And oh no, Fizz is in Tyrone there. And he's like, what are you doing here? Sorry, this is one of the most unbelievable parts about this week. With, with everything else happens, the fact that Phil just barges into somebody's therapy session, how rude. And I'm, you know, oh, I'm, I'm on Fizz and Tyrone's side. Oh, I, I think see. Fizz is a nice guy. But I don't think... You think Fizz is a nice guy? Fizz and Tyrone are nice people. I don't, they're not, they're horrible. I don't think that Phil would have barged into somebody else's therapy session. Just imagine if it had been absolutely anybody. He'd have, they'd have, they'd have torn him a new one. It's a private meeting, Philip. 
Don't do that again. So he deserves to have his life completely ruined because no, he, he walked into. So- I just want to He's be got, clear I, about what you're trying to turn. I'm to just say conflicted here. and confused about whose side I should be on on this. I think that's been obvious all the way Most along. Most people are on Tyrone and Fizz's side. I don't think they are. I think an awful lot of people on social media are championing Phil in yeah, this. Um, so anyway, Phil knows that they're back together again um, and. Um, well, no, he comes in and he's like, what the hell's going on? And then Fizz is like... Fizz is like, oh, it's only just happened. It's only just sat down to have this meeting. Yeah, and he's like, I'm never going to trust anybody again like, after sorry, this. Sorry, I, I would be incandescent with rage if I was him because not only are you did you sneak behind my back, right, and get back together and then ruin, spend all my money on a stupid wedding that you didn't even want, dump, dump me after already having said your vows and make, and make me worried... But you're so unsure about this relationship that you're going to counselling immediately. <laughs> that's well, the that's the kick in the teeth. That is. He is pretty incandescent with rage because he, he goes, should have just he's he's so tall. He should have just hit them both on the head with his fists and hammered them directly to the centre of the earth. Yeah, he's got big strong arms. You remember that picture that like Hope that. drew the other year? So anyway, he goes storming off down the road. Good. I did I did appreciate this week. There were a few nice little off-site location shoots, wasn't there? There was Gary in the car park. Yeah, there were these people around true. it. I think I think that was done off-site, but maybe it was done in Media City. I don't know. Anyway, um, they're, they're, they're going down the road. Tyrone's there saying, sorry, sorry. I just want to be friends with you, Phil. And Phil's like, nope, we are yeah, over. No, Bromance of the century over. Ever again. <laughs> um, and Tyrone and Fizz get home later. And they just don't know what to do about this. Evelyn says, just go to the Rovers, announce that you're back together again, because it's all out now. You might as well go and enjoy a drink with it. But while they're out there, Evelyn um, invites Phil rounds and to and to try and get him to, uh, to sign this annulment. And he says, look, just sign it. It's all for the best. He feels like, oh, my life is over. And she's like, just, no, you've got it all going for you. You've got a lovely house in Cardiff. <laughs> you, Why don't you marry someone you're from You're a budding Wales? author. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. Go to Wales and write my book. Write and my I'd, John Stape. Do you know what I'd do? I'd make out that it was all Fiona, it was all Fizz that, that drove him to it. And yes. I, would, I would kind of like uh, cast her as a Machiavellian villain behind of all of John Stape's hapless ex-escapades. He totally could do that, that would be they? That would be brilliant. And if they haven't got that as a storyline... Please take it. You could sell it as fiction and say, oh, it's just purely coincidental. How can she prove anything he's saying is wrong? (laughs) He he can say first-hand experience. He can go on all the chat shows and be like, look, I never would have believed this about her because she seems so nice and sweet, but I was in a relationship with this woman and she is a narcissistic, evil person who will destroy you. And then he'll go through all the things that she did to him and everyone will be sympathetic because everyone can't wait to hate women. Tell you what, that sounds almost as juicy as the Meghan Markle one that's just come out this week. No comment. (laughs) Gemma's was up at midnight. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, um, Evelyn's like, let's go on, just sign this flipping thing. Um, there's somebody out there who's going to make you very happy someday. There might even she's be a right. character in this programme. You never know if you yeah. stick around. I don't know. She's like, um, you got your paperwork there. Have you got your contract for the show? Because I can help you out. Because if you're going in a bit, you probably sign the papers now and save yourself some time. Yeah. And if you're getting paid anyway, you might as well just take the money and go and not be in any more episodes. But if you've got a year one, I'm going to say start looking about. So you went to, because because Gary might be outed as a murderer and Maria likes the high life mm. and she's also very pretty. I'm trying to think when Phil first appeared in the programme and I'm going to say it must have been around late summer, early autumn last year. And usually, you know, these contracts are year-long ones. So I think we may have a couple more months of Phil possibly. No, we've before. got 12 months of Phil. 
Carry on telling the story. Oh yeah, yeah, we could do. Couldn't Evelyn we? says, yeah, sign Evelyn, it. Yeah, sign it and go to the. And, and, and he and says, it's over his life's over. My yeah. life's over. She's like, no, it's not. It's not over at all. Tyrone and Fizz go to the pub like under Evelyn's instruction, and she understands. Hey, can I just say another thing about what? the house that you're saying about? Mm. Um, like, oh, he's going to be all right because he's got his house and he's got whatever. He's lost his job. Yeah, I don't think he's got a new job since. What happened, been... I can't remember what happened. Why did he lose his job? Was he, it because he's, he's of, leaking the council information, of his wasn't it, to Maria? With, with Fizz, that he lost his job, really, because he helped out Maria. Mm. And now he's got this house, and the agreement was that Tyrone would sell his house to help fund some of the renovations towards Phil's house because Fizz was going to live there and Phil needed the extra money now he doesn't have a job. Yes. Now, he's basically... His love life's been decimated. He's been humiliated. He's spent loads of money on the wedding and he's in financial straits because this lump sum from Tyrone's house isn't going to... It's going to materialise. She's ruined him. I know, I know. And Fizz understands this. She says to Tyrone, oh, I know know how Phil must feel, but, you know, it's for the best that the truth is out. And I think it's just a scene (laughs) where Jenny's there kind of making some comments about, oh, we must feel really, really bad at the moment. I love that. When she said, oh, you must feel really guilty. Yeah, that's right. That's what she said, wasn't it? It's kind of awkward. (laughs) Because they're sitting there with champagne, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, you must feel really bad about yourselves. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we should do But she also said it's good that the truth is out. Anyway, um, she's like, so kind of there lamenting the fact that she's Phil's wife for the next 12 months now. So they can't, if he's not going to sign these annulment papers, um, and there's nothing that she can do about it. But then she gets a text from Phil saying that he will sort the annulment. And we have a little scene with um, Ruby and Hope later on. And oh my gosh, not, not no. the... Not the best performance from um, everybody in that room there. And they're saying goodbye to him. And Hope says, oh, sorry about trying to muck things up for the wedding and everything. And um, she also kind of innocently drops into the conversation that Phil came round to see Tyrone straight after the wedding. And this is news to Phil, because although he knows that the pair of them are back together, he was under the impression that they only just, you know, in the last few days, um, decided to reunite. So he comes storming into the Rovers at the end of the episode. Well, no, he's not mad at first, is he? He's, he's quite cocky and theatrical. He's like saying, I hear, I hear the papers, and have you got a pen, landlady? And he, he, he um, and he's yeah, making it out like, you know, there's something that's not quite right here and he takes the pen from Jenny and plops it down into the Prosecco <laughs> bottle before ripping up the papers and I think you were saying when we were watching the scene rip them up Phil throw them yeah, up and throw he did around. he kind of launches them into the air and he says I know exactly what you did out on our wedding night and who with and so she and uh, she tells Tyrone that and uh, no, he then tells Tyrone that he's going to be naming him in his divorce papers as the one that has committed adultery yeah, with. He got, he but got he's him. like, but don't worry, guys, nothing's going to happen for twelve months, twelve long months. And Fizz and Tyrone are left there with kind of egg on their faces, going, "Oh, <sighs> so satisfying." I want this story just to end there. I don't need to see any more because you know, you know that um, Phil is going to be punished for being mean i don't know whether he will i think well, that no, the... but eventually the the, the t- tide will turn and people will start feeling sympathetic because i'm sure phil's um quest for revenge is going to become even more unhinged and he's going to you know step over the line and then people are going to be start saying oh well i we'll feel really sorry for them now no I, I do like, think that at the end of the day, coronation street is going to want us to be gonna... siding with fizz and tyrone i'm already there even though 
even though I am completely You're against disgusting. infidelity. <laughs> I think that what Fizz did to Phil was exceptionally cruel. Even though I very much enjoy Phil as a character, there's many, many reasons why I shouldn't be on their side. But I'm just clinging on to the because fact that this is a long term. You're just getting what you want. That's what it is. You'd, you're one of the you're one of these horrible people that do, doesn't care what the method is. You get what you want out of it. I just really like them as a couple, and I, and and they, they they're very traditional. And I think I think like in Ran and Toya, they're kind of a couple that you kind of. Um, uh, sympathise with a bit a little bit more and identify with but I, and, I, and I like I like the family unit at number nine but I, I don't know what Curry wants I, I it feels like they want us to be siding with them because you know they're the main characters they're the heroes but a bit like with the Toya and Imran thing where we were it was supposed to be a little bit more you know, oh, do we side with them two or do we side with Abby? But it ended up just making Toya and Imran looking awful. I think that's the same thing is happening with Fizz here. And I think we're supposed to be like torn a little bit, but it's making Tyrone and Fizz look a lot worse, which is good for you. Um, so do do you think this, do you think that Phil is going to be, do you think they are going to be dragging this on for a year or will? I hope so. I want him to torment them. I kind of do as well because there has there has been a, a before this story came last year it had been a very long period of time without any major stories for for the Dobbs Stapes or the, now it's the Whitaker Stapes I suppose uh, no the Whitaker no Dobbs Whitakers um, so I don't I don't mind too much but the prospect of twelve long months of him good like that I I, I think care. that's longer than it needs good. to be so it could go quiet no. <laughs> it's it's not like obviously understand and I've said this before on the podcast there, there are situations where in a relationship you may well feel like this is the end of it and we can't be together anymore because you know I've changed my feelings have changed or maybe there, there might be somebody else but sneaking around behind somebody else's back I don't see how that's ever justified mm. and also the thing that winds me up about this is that Fizz knows what Tyrone is like and he only seemed to be interested in her once Alina's gone. And you know Alina's going to come back. I, I know. I and this is not want... a spoiler. It just feels the most inevitable thing ever. And that's what um, every, I've seen lots of people on like, on the forums and on the social media and everything have been saying. are just waiting for Alina to pop back onto the show, baby in tow, just to ruin things for everything. Maybe that's how it will go. And 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 they and Cory do want Tyrone and Fizz to be ultimately split up, and it's going to be Alina returning with Baby Ty. That's going to be the last straw. I just think that he betrayed Tyrone and Fizz. Tyrone betrayed Fizz so badly, and now they're doing the same thing to somebody else. It's just not right. And also, in my mind, right, the the way that I would be satisfied with with this ending. Mm. And it would be a bit creepy because there's too much of an age difference, in my opinion. But if Alina came back with a babe with um, Tyrone's baby, and um, she and Phil fell in love with each other, and then <laughs> Tyrone, uh, um, yeah, then then they We've moved seen that in. she likes the older man. Well, he she might be he might be interested actually interested in Alina as a person. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, Mimi would come in and be like, oh, our family's from Eastern Europe. In fact, I am the Countess of whatever country you're from. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, then, and then they fall in love and then he raises Tyrone's baby with morals, which is not what Tyrone would do. <laughs> Just saying. But can you imagine Alina trying to make Phil squeeze into his tight clothes and go out night clubbing and but everything? But he'd do it, wouldn't he? 
say, but the, because they're both cheesy. Alina's cheesy and so is Phil, but that's why he keeps doing these big romantic gestures from TV shows. Mm. You imagine Alina sitting there enthralled as like, um, what's another romantic scene? I don't know. Maybe Phil, maybe Phil reenacts the bodyguard or something for her. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what this reference is to, but it's absolutely so amazing and I love you. <laughs> they would have so much fun together. That would be quite she, funny. She doesn't have any, she doesn't have any cringe in her, does she? She doesn't understand what the word cringe means. <laughs> that's all Phil is. He's a ball of cringe with a giant house. But he, he is mostly. But it was nice to see him, like I said earlier, kind of growing oh, a pair. Can you, I've just had this amazing vision of because this house that Phil's got is quite grand, but we haven't really seen inside of it. Right. Imagine if it had one of these really gorgeous big staircases, mm. and then um, ty- Phil, you know, extends the olive branch. To um, this is the other thing. If if Ali- if Alina and Phil get together with Tyrone's baby, then you know they always have the potential to be in it as long as Tyrone's in it. Yeah. Anyway, he extends the olive branch and invites um, Tyrone over to spend time with the baby. And as he walks into the foyer of this gorgeous, massive house, there's a full length, like double double the usual height of the ceiling portrait of Alina and Phil just there in a gilded um, frame. <laughs> Wouldn't that like be brilliant? It. Yeah. Make it happen, Curry. Come on, use the budget. <laughs> just, just get, just ask Will Roach if they can borrow his portrait and put and yeah. Photoshop, Photoshop somebody else into yeah. it instead. Why not? Right, Gemma, I'm going to pass you over to that story. So the last chance salon. What's been going on with Audrey this week? Well, she's got a birthday coming up, hasn't she? So yes. they decide. Um, David tells Gail, "I've got a surprise for Audrey's birthday, but don't tell Shona because she'll blab." So in the pump, Gail tells Audrey that she wants to put everything behind them and she's booked a table for their birthday. How surprising. And Audrey is not in the mood to celebrate, she says. So Gail reports back to David that Audrey doesn't want to come to this party. I don't know why she would. What's the difference between this party and the party they had last week and the one they had the week before that? So he says, um, we need to show how sorry um, I am. Um, I don't... um, But I reckon that it's going to work because this this surprise I've got is just going to be so epic she won't be able to help herself. So David comes calling to Audrey in the cafe and he's like, oh, can I help you? How are your eyes? And, and sucking up to her. And she says, if you really want to help me, come and put some light fittings up because I've got a load of lamps and I haven't put them up or something. <laughs> yeah. He's like, look, maybe I'll do it another day. <laughs> She's like, fine, fine, no. Um, get lost then if you're not going to help me. I don't remember that. I kind of remember the scene, but I don't remember that happening. Over in number eight, Gail tries to appeal to Audrey's forgiving side and tells her that David and Sarah have a surprise and Audrey's like, not bothered really. David gets home and she is not impressed. Um, Gail isn't. With, I don't know what this means. Well, no, David's saying, nah, that's fine. I'll I'll, I'll do your light fittings another day. Gail's like, David, you're trying to to get an olive branch with your nan and you just blew your chance. But she says, Audrey has agreed to come to this um, thing tomorrow. So you and Sarah need to be on your best behaviour. Yes. Friday, David and Shona and Sarah Louise are planning for this birthday surprise. They're putting balloons up. Shona's still trying to guess what the surprise is. And Audrey arrives and everyone's like, hooray, it's Audrey. Yay. Um, I don't know why she's mad about that because this is what her life's been leading up to. She's always wanted people to applause when she <laughs> enters the room and now she's finally got what she wants. Yeah, this was in the bistro at this point, wasn't it? The family say, um, they're all having lunch and Audrey's really quiet and everybody remarks about this and she says, I'm fine, I'm fine. And Nick says, 
it's nearly time for your surprise. You're going to love it. So they take her into the surprise. They've blindfolded her and they take her into the salon. Madame Salon. Um, it's all done up, all different inside. It looks the same, really, to me, but it's different. And Audrey says, thank you very much for this nice gesture. And Gail says, let's go back to the bistro for pudding. Um, and she says, no, actually, I'm tired. And she closes the door behind her and sighs. So everybody goes back to the bistro without Audrey to, have, to eat cake. And Gail's worried because Audrey... Very dry-looking cake, wasn't it? Do you remember? They had that scene that was that had the cake in the foreground and it didn't look the best cake. It was very... No, it, it looked nice, but it maybe looked uh, only uh, nice and not tasty. Yes. yes. Um, but it was very nicely decorated and really it's just a cake for TV, so... Mm. Um, she goes to Grasmere Drive to see if Audrey's okay. And she comes home and Audrey's not there. And she's like, What's, I don't understand where, she, where she's got, where's she gone? So she tries ringing again and this time Audrey picks up the phone and says, oh, I'm at home, I don't know what, what, what do you mean? I'm, or maybe I was out, I was getting some milk and I'm tired. I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And then we cut to Audrey and where is she? She's looking very sorry for herself and she's in hospital, <gasps> in a hospital bed. So... Um, she she hangs up and then we get a nurse or a doctor talking to Audrey and saying, um, you're not going home. We need, you need to talk to a psychiatric liaison officer um, who's going to come and talk to you tomorrow. And she's like, I don't need it. I just had one too many. I had an accident. And you're like, I, was, I don't know about everyone else, but I was thinking, oh, she's had a car crash again. She's hit a lamppost or something. Yeah, this was like, a very well done scene this because really you're, you're led to believe that she's just got herself drunk again. That one too many comment was... Or like fell over or something like that. Mm. And um, and she's going, right, who's your next of kin? She says, I don't have an next of kin actually. And even if I did, I wouldn't bother them with this because mm. um, it's just a mistake and it, it nobody needs to know about it. And the nurse is like, well, this toxicology report does not look like it was a mistake to me at all because you took a large number of sleeping pills and it looks deliberate. <gasps> now this was a really that was horrible... the scene that I slept through. <laughs> I know, but this was a really horrible thing to leave everybody with over the weekend. I know, Paul because Audrey. Audrey is such a beloved character, and all the way through the show, since the very beginning, she's always been flighty and a fun-loving kind of person who doesn't really seem serious. Like you know, she's not a very she. Do, she doesn't strike me as a deep thinker. She doesn't strike me as somebody who's prone to melancholy. But over the past year or so, she really has got incredibly like depressed and insular. And to think that she is so sad that she tried to kill herself um, is... Yeah, I mean, it's a bit like the Aiden situation, isn't it? The, the, clue, the clues have been there a little bit, but I think this particular scene here really did surprise a lot of viewers. I certainly did not see really this coming. It was really sad. Now, it was really interesting sad. that they so well decided to say that she took sleeping pills because they don't normally, like, normally advise not to disclose methods for suicide but maybe because it wasn't successful they thought that they could maybe. do it i don't i don't really know mm. but i i was talking to you wasn't i about the taboo of uh discussing suicide and the guidelines on it now generally are just don't talk about it in the media or don't disclose methods and things and i don't know whether that i don't know obviously they they've done research and things but sometimes i feel as though when you don't talk about things like this in in depth, it can feel a bit mysterious and a bit um, like you just magically disappear from the earth. And to some people who are have suicidal tendencies, that seems very appealing, actually. Hmm. But the reality of it is that it can be very, you know, 
yeah um painful and uh, it's just horrible to think that people um watching this might also feel the same way as Audrey and I hope that if they are watching it the way that Coronation Street has told this story makes them think oh maybe I need to help maybe I need some help or rather than it just really makes me sad because I know that people feel this way yeah I'm really looking forward to how it goes next week because so far the story has been fairly um light hasn't it it's been, you know, Audrey gets, oh, she's got a motorbike falling over, isn't that funny? And Steve coming around. And it and just everything. goes to show and you now that, it's yeah. like, oh, now it's not. When she's just banging on about Stephen all the time and talking about how lo- how much she loves Stephen and how great Stephen's great and stuff, you kind of, I kind of got a bit fed up with her a, a little bit because I was thinking, Stephen's not been there for you. Everyone else has been there for you. Why are you so obsessed with Stephen? Mm. But now I'm thinking, if that's the only thing that was stopping her from doing this... Mm. Oh, how sad she must be. And it really also struck me too how this is such a familiar sight for the Platts to do something awful to Audrey and then placate her and she's not really having it and uh, she, they kind of look, just sort of take her for granted. Yeah, they and do. They is, think, oh, it's just grand. Yeah, and this is like... We'll butter her up again. Her, it wasn't even really... It, you can't say it was a cry for help because it seems quite likely that she may have succeeded i don't know how how she didn't we don't know what the circumstances were or how no exactly was... like that, that that was part of the way they did it it was really clever because that when they just cut to her being in the hospital obviously a lot of something has happened between now and then like yeah what who who discovered her how did it happen you know, it just there's no idea so because like, she seems to be claiming i got drunk and i forgot how many pills i took yeah um, so I don't know how she goes, how she got found, and she doesn't want her family to know, and I, oh, that's so sad as well because she doesn't trust them, and she doesn't, and she doesn't want to be seen as a weak old lady, you know, weak sad old lady, and that kind of feels quite. Yeah. Um, I feel very sympathetic to that kind of feeling of not wanting to be a burden to people, and yeah, and feeling also like they wouldn't. Maybe she thinks they wouldn't care. I don't know. Do you think that she um, might have had a change of heart part way through and like phoned herself an ambulance because she lives alone Maybe. on her own in Grasmere Drive and we don't know anything about her neighbours. I mean, I, I think it was, if I could say anything, it was probably that. Um, and, and, I don't know. And next week we'll kind of go Maybe we'll find investigating out. into this. Yeah, but um, yeah, very, very well done. That, that scene where she, they cut to her in hospital... Um, and they kind of just have a, a slow zoom in on her, or is it zoom out? I can't remember. Just to let it, um, you know, let it sit with you for a bit. Um, it was, yeah, just just fantastic. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Stephen earlier, and we were when when he promptly disappeared. Was it last week? We thought, oh, that was a very uh, abrupt end for Stephen and a very short comeback. So do you do you imagine that Stephen's this is going to be enough to bring him back to Weatherfield? Yeah, and it'll be like. Why did you let my mum nearly kill herself? You're all horrible people. I'm going to take her to Canada with me. Also, hey, Elaine. We had unresolved business. Yeah. Hey, Elaine, would the, you like a new, a new mother-in-law? The fact, that, um, the fact that there was something that was beginning to develop there between Stephen and Elaine makes me think that he almost certainly will come back for this. Um, because what was the point of that otherwise? So, looking forward to that. Um, the salon then, Gemma... Do you you you, well, you weren't too impressed with the with the redesign? I can't tell that it's different, but it obviously you must be. It's just I'm tr- It's the problem is it's been so long since it's been on screen last. I'm struggling to remember exactly what it used to look like, but it's got like lots of 
It's kind of silver and gold motif now, hasn't it? And I don't think it was like that I before. thought it had swirly wallpaper. Well, it's got swirly wallpaper now. Did it yeah, have swirly exactly. wallpaper before? I'm not sure. But it, it's, it definitely looks different, but everything is in oh, the same place. Oh, it used place. to be green. Oh, yeah. We're just having to sound of comparing. Where do you see the swirly stuff then? I don't know. Maybe you're looking at a screenshot of this actual thing. Yeah, so it's gone from green to swirly. I think it looks very modern and swish. I like it. Um, it's got like a kitchen area as well, doesn't it? I think... I can't remember. I don't remember at all now. But I all guess right. we'll see more of it soon. But it is nice to have the salon back again. Although it is kind of making me think, well, partly, is Audrey actually capable? You know, she, she's, what, 82 now? Is she capable of running a salon, running a business at her age? Well, I don't know, but I don't think she should be forced into it. No, well, she 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 didn't seem super impressed by it, did she? So I, I don't know whether she's going to carry on working there or not. Um, and also, um, it also is, brings up the problem of we now have got two hair places on the street again. Because before, when we had this and a trim up north, it did feel like it was a bit too much. And I know they've got slightly different clientele and everything. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we need to. But they wouldn't have, really wouldn't have done it up if they weren't going to use it, you know? I think, and we haven't seen pictures of this in the show yet, but I don't think it's a spoiler to say that they have also done up the outside again, haven't they? And I guess we'll get to see that on the show next week, because obviously I've, I was looking at you know, Googling pictures for Salon Redesign, and then they showed the outside of it. So they've they've put a lot of effort into it. Um, I don't know, I guess, I guess we will see, but I, I suppose for the time being, Audrey will not be working there because she's got a few issues that she'll be working her way through, um, what with all the sleeping pills and everything. I don't know how long the story's going to go on for. It's It seems like it was almost over and now it could have, have a lot more to come. That's about it. And anything else to add for this one, Gemma? No. I didn't think you would. The fact that you, you quieted yourself up means that we're done with this story. So let's move on to the next storyline, which is our Electrocute Ed story. Um, did, I, did I have that in my list of stories at the beginning? No, I didn't. I forgot to write that we were going to talk about Electrocute Ed. So what has happened with this one this week starts off with all the Baileys being at the hospital. Ed's there with like bandages over his hands and everything. Michael's clowning around a bit. James is there. I don't know whether James actually got any lines this week, did he? I didn't even see. I didn't he even see. He was definitely there. The, the lesser spotted James, um, who somebody I, I saw on social media or, or, the, or a forum this week had said that this was now his seventh appearance in 2022. They really don't know what to do with James at the moment. Um, but anyway, they're all there. Um, Aggie is absolutely determined that she's going to get some compensation from Debbie for, for this, um, that she's put her husband through with her dodgy electrics and no insurance and whatever. Meanwhile, Debbie's desperately rifling through all her paperwork at the bistro. Ronnie's trying to reassure her and says, look, Ed, he's, he's an easygoing kind of guy. He's, he's, gonna, he's not going to you know, be bleeding your dry or anything. Don't worry about it. you just got to appeal to their, their forgiving side. So he brings Debbie around to see Ed in hospital and Debbie's being like overly chirpy about the whole thing and saying, oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm sorry about everything that's happened. You're all right, aren't you? And, Ed, and Ed's like, yeah, I'm fine. But Aggie pulls absolutely no punches about how much he's suffering here. And Aggie says, um, and, and Debbie says, look, I've got, I've, I've been talking to people and I've drawn up a, a little financial package um, that I could give you. I'll give you a cheque. 
And Aggie says, no way. I, d I don't know whether we see at the time how much the check was for, but Aggie says, this is no way near enough. Ed could have been killed here. He's going to be off work for weeks. I, I spit at your offer of little financial package. Um, and she says, also, I've already spoken to Adam about compensation, and he reckons that we have got a cast iron case against you here. So stuff that, Debbie. Back at the bistro, Debbie is not giving up, though. Ronnie says, look, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try and convince Aggie on my own to change her mind. You know, we're family and everything. Surely he's, she's not going to, um, really going to want to see me having to go through this with my partner. Um, Debbie's later on with her lawyer and he says, it doesn't look like you've got many options here. What about if you sell this place though, selling the bistro? And Aggie's like, and Debbie's like, no way, I'm not doing that. Or is it the hotel? I can't remember wherever it was they were. And he says, well, you could declare yourself bankrupt. Aggie tells Ronnie, meanwhile, that she is open to offers if the price is right. Um, and Ed says, look, I'm going to get back on my feet soon. Want to get building again. Aggie says, can't believe it, you need to rest. Back at the bistro at the end of the episode, Rodney returns. Debbie is pretty relieved to hear that they are open to offers. Also, good news. Um, he is now the owner of a derelict money pit so this was the um the uh pub. the pub thing that he was going to be he's going to be buying and he's going to build a million houses on the top yes that's what we all want exactly we want to live in a million houses on a pub yes wednesday's episode ed's made it to the rovers for a drink he's out of hospital now he's made another classic coronation street miraculous quick recovery debbie comes in to check he's okay and aggie says look i'm not interested in anything you've got to say lady apart from if you're going to give me a load of money. And Debbie says, look, it's all been sorted. Don't worry about it. And she's on the phone later to the, her lawyer again, I guess it was, sounding incredibly desperate. What about this personal loan that you were on about, she says. Apparently that's no longer viable. And But she is absolutely insistent that she is not declaring bankruptcy here. She needs another option. So she goes over to number three later on and offers them £30,000. But there is a catch. They just can't have it all at once. You know, what with COVID and everything, it's hit the hospitality industry really bad over the past few years. And Aggie's like, no, not having a new soft story. If you don't give me this money in a fortnight, then sorry, I'm not having it. So you've she got two just weeks. Gary, because Gary can come up with 24 grand in a day. I know. Maybe 30 grand. You, she could have haggled down from 30 grand to 24, couldn't she? She should have followed, um, she should have followed Gary and... Gary to the murder hut on the, under the pretense of helping him rescue Kelly and just sort of go, oh, I'll just take this, I'll look after this bag of money for you. I don't know what happened to the bag in the end. I Has Kieran still it got it? Why would you leave the money there? Just, You've got a tracker on it, Michael. I don't know, you're the sort of person that just leaves a mobile phone line around. You might be leaving a bag full of £24,000 around. Mm. Who knows? Anyway, there's a little scene at the end of the episode where Debbie's kind of lamenting um, her relationships in the past and how she never got around to having kids and everything. She was always too busy. Um, that doesn't particularly lead into anything. But I thought it was a quite a nice little... Um, little nice character scene for her between her and Ronnie and that's where we're left at how are you um how are you feeling about Debbie and Ronnie because they've been going out for like a year now haven't they and really we... I just don't yeah I just don't we've really not seen anything with them as a couple no I forget that they're there yeah I, I don't think we've we've really ever seen anything that's been super romantic between them but this is probably this little storyline that they're going through at the moment is the most we've seen them together as a couple I don't not buy them, but I still need to see a little bit more of the romance side before I get completely convinced, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, oh, I agree with you. What What do you think about um, about Aggie and her 
uh, her uh, not accepting Debbie's offer? Do you think that she's been a bit cowy about it? I just didn't think that. I mean, what's? I didn't. I don't know. Just like, how much money do you earn in a year? That thirty grand's not enough when. I don't suppose that you're going to be working. Um, it's not going to be not working for a year. No. I uh, Yeah, I know. It, 30 grand is like a very, very good amount of money for a year. Mm. It feels like that maybe the writers have made it be a little bit contrary just for the drama of, oh, it's my, my, my brother-in-law's girlfriend that... But you don't need... The thing is, like, it's not like he's earning so much money that she needs 30 grand in a week, in two weeks. To cover his expenses. No, she's just kind of hardballing her, isn't she? And I understand that she she like doesn't like Debbie should Debbie should cough up. I get. I don't. I just find I don't really understand this. Particularly. She she kind of should. I mean, she should have been insured, but she wasn't. And I think if something like I that happened yeah, to you, I'd insurance? probably be you know quite insistent that we there was some kind of compensation. Well, it no, just it feels like. On, but it seems like Ed will be fine eventually. If if it was diff- if that was different, then I don't know. Yeah. My my opinion might change, but you know, in this country, you don't have, you don't have to pay for healthcare. Hmm. So what that that's not a consideration. He he's self-employed, so he's not having his, um, his what's it called? Don't know. Time off paid oh, by yeah. anybody. Yeah. So that's important to think about. Hmm. But also, doesn't he have his own insurance? I would think if I was a builder. I would have some kind of insurance to cover if I had an accident, but I don't know how these things I work. I don't know how these things Can work. Can you buy that if you're a, if if you're a builder, or does it always come under, you know, mm. the the person who employs you is supposed to have insurance if they're a business? Yeah, I think if it, I don't, I don't know. know. I think if it was not that it makes any difference. If it was in the family, you probably field. should just get enough compensation to to cover it but without trying really, to screw over the person. It's not in the family though. It's your it's your. Your husband's brother's girlfriend. Mm. This is the thing that always goes two ways, doesn't it? Like, if, if somebody owns a business, if you if you have a friend who has a business, do you expect them to give you stuff for free? Or do you say, because you're my friend or my relative, I'm going to pay more yeah. to support you? I mean, what, what I assumed that this was leading towards this week um, is that Debbie is going to sell the salon... Um, to David or to Audrey or whatever, but I think they just said that they're they're renting or leasing it or whatever off of her, didn't they? But if if Debbie wants to get hold of a lot of money quick, then surely trying to convince David or Audrey or whatever to cough up so that the salon is completely theirs again would be a nice, quick and easy way of getting it. Cause that, don't you think? Mm. So I think that there's... I imagine that's probably what's going to happen. And I don't know, maybe I'm... Not thinking enough about it. Okay, back to you, Gemma. Wendy. We've had a return to Wendy Crozier and Abby this week with a couple of scenes. What happened? Explain. On Monday, Wendy and Abby are in speed dial talking about Wendy coming to see her in Coronation Street every now and then. And Wendy says, actually, you know what? The reason I've been a bit weird about it is because I had an affair with Ken Barlow. And also, in 2012, I had a reunion with him and I tried to get between him and Deirdre. And I was like, don't worry about that. Oh, Deirdre's dead. <laughs> I thought this was weird. I think weird. she says it a little bit more sensitive. I thought that. this was really weird. Why does Abby know who Deirdre is and that she's dead? This doesn't make any sense. She's a legend. She's a, Abby, she's Abby not, came into the show a, a year or two after it. Deirdre died. How does Abby know Ken? Just everybody knows everyone, they don't, don't they? They don't. They don't. That, I thought, was a bit silly. 
Abby runs into Tracy in the street. I mean, I guess, is Tracy her friend? She would know that her, her friend's mum is dead. Yeah. But I don't, I don't really... I, it didn't, it didn't it bother me, but I know it, 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 it noticed, like, you noticed she it, She seems didn't you? to know more about this than... She's obviously been on Choropedia. <laughs> Abby runs into Tracy on the street and, and says... And Tracy's like, oh, where's that Rottweiler, Wendy? Sorry about the time I was mean about it. <laughs> and Abby says, let's go to Roy's. Um, to, to chat so that Wendy can sneak into over to see Ken without Tracy intercepting her. So she goes around to number one and Ken's surprised to see her and she says, look, I'm really sorry about everything. Can I please talk to you? So she goes into the house and she says, I don't recognise the person I was 10 years ago and now Deidre's gone. I can't say how sorry I am to her. And Ken's like... Well, guess what? Doesn't matter because Deirdre never doubted how much I loved her. You didn't. You didn't achieve anything. So Tracy and Abby go back and see Wendy coming out of the house, and Tracy's immediately mad at Abby, calling her a traitor, and he, she calls Wendy a trollop. And then Ken says, "Back down." Wendy just wanted to apologise. He says, "Thank you, Wendy. I don't think we're ever going to talk to each other again." So and Tracy goes inside. Uh, she tries to go inside number one, but Ken doesn't want to see see her either. So, but she goes on later when he's cooled down and he says he's a bit sad, it's going to pass. And then he gets some letters out that Deirdre had written and he misses her and he talks about how wonderful that they had each other and he wishes she was, they could have her back. And Tracy says, yeah, Wendy can stick that in her pipe and smoke it. I thought that was a really nice scene. It was, yeah. It's nice to know that Ken hasn't forgotten Deirdre. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, and the the, uh, the dresser is full of pictures of Deirdre, isn't it? And it was it was around it about was this time of the year that Deirdre died as well. I think it and was also sad though to hear that he's sad, still sad about it. I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's not got over it, despite that little um, oh, it's that, that little thing with Claudia a few that lasted a, a short mm. amount of time. He's well, still Deirdre's sure still the one for him. Who have had partners who have died and have moved on will say that they never forget or stop loving yeah. their partners. Yeah, no, it was a nice little thing. So Tracy goes, oh no, uh, back at back at the Wendy house, Abby is hearing about how Wendy feels like a weight's been lifted now she's sorted things out with Ken, but she still looks a bit wistful. Then on Friday, um, Kevin's getting ready because Abby's coming back. She He's preparing the house and Jack's packing his bag for the primary school leaving do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wrote in, in the notes here that it's uh, ha ha. He's he looks like he's more like he's leaving school or secondary school rather than leaving primary school. He's so massive. And then I saw loads of other people made the same comment online as well. It is a bit of a joke about how not like an eleven-year-old boy he is. Kevin's cranky at work later, and Aaron, who's still on his trial period, um, gets between him and Tyrone. Um, and Tyrone says Kevin should have the afternoon off. I don't think that was weird. Abby comes home mm. and everybody's really happy until Jack has a go at Kevin for not helping him with his leavers project thing. He's got to give in this afternoon for some reason. Like, this is ridiculous. This is the last day of term. Nobody cares about anything on the last day of no term. No teacher cares about being given a project on the last day of term, surely. Last day of term is for getting in, maybe having a little assembly, watching a film... And that's about all anyone he can marry, manage. Like, if it's his last day at this school ever and he doesn't bring in his project, so what? I mean, I suppose what it was supposed to be implying was that there was some kind of presentation or assembly or event or something and he was supposed to be standing up and saying something about it. But 
I don't know, it, it felt like maybe whatever he was writing, the teacher should have got him to write it at school, because I don't think that with one week left to go, any year sixes are in the mood for doing, for doing homework with their teachers. But anyway, I assume everything turns out okay with that, because we don't hear otherwise. Well, it's like a, um, it's just a demonstration of, like, the fact that Kevin has to remember that he's got to balance his existing son with this new mm. child he's going to be sharing his life with yes. him. And he's not done a very good job right off the bat. Well, I mean, he's not been, he's not been living with Abby for ages, and they had a very nice reunion and a cuddle and everything. So I'm just saying what the show's trying to say. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and Kevin's there saying, oh, Jack, you need to take responsibility to yourself. And he kind of does. Because if he's going to secondary school in September, he's going to be drowning in homework. Yeah, he can't, you can't manage one piece. Help, <laughs> and what's this Leavers project going to be? It's probably going to be like a bit of paper where it says what he wants to do at the new school. <laughs> what do I want to be when I grow up? Well, either a mechanic or packing in the factory. Or maybe I might want to be a no, florist. No. Or maybe what? One-legged mechanic, one-legged factory. Hacker. I'm going to be the rover's first one-legged landlord when he can I'm be older. The, he can be Weatherfield's first one-legged anything. He could, couldn't he? Yeah. And he's Not a trailblazer. first one-legged taxi driver though, because oh, Don Brennan's got that one that's already. That's true. That's mm. true. Yep, yep, yep. He, I mean, really, he should be looking to him for inspiration. Yeah. He's a role model to Jack. <laughs> Watch out, everybody. So, um, Jack's kicking the football against the wall. Then it, he kicks it over to number nine. It smashes something and he goes in to collect it from Evelyn and she goes off and leaves him and Ruby together and he says, Evelyn was almost my nana once and then goes. Yeah, that was kind of left strength. And this was about, you know, 10 minutes maybe before the end of the episode on Friday that he's dropped this bomb on but Ruby. who cares? Well, yeah, I, I'm trying to think about what the purpose of that was because I thought it... I thought it would it... be followed up in that episode, but it wasn't. But doesn't everybody know this now? I guess that Ruby didn't realise that Jack But was... was she surprised, or was she like, yeah, I know, because... Well, hey. yeah, no, 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 she said, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, oh nothing. So Ruby <laughs> now knows more of the, the, the family secrets that she's ready to, to drop on them at some point, I guess. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe she is going to... Phil's going to hang around... Start writing his revenge book. Revenge would be a good name for a book like that. And he could then get this goss off of Ruby about um, the whole mess. Maybe he can just write a book about Weatherfield and how everybody that lives there is like some kind of weird, horrible <laughs> affair monster. Yeah. And how they're all related to each other and everyone's kids, everyone else's half brother and sister. Yeah. That'd fill a few pages, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um anything to talk about it was nice to have uh, Wendy going around to number one again I thought that was quite a cool callback scene for the long time Corrie fans it, she's, it felt like it was maybe over at the end of it but with her looking a bit wistful I guess it's not and also if it's not if this is over then I don't think it was really necessary because nobody wanted closure for Wendy Crozier no that's exactly what I was thinking I yeah. don't care what Wendy, Wendy Wendy closure yeah nobody, closure. nobody cares about what Wendy what, what kind of horrible nightmare regrets that Wendy had been living with for the last 10 years yeah no one was thinking about Wendy until she came back no which means and there he, must be more to it than this she wasn't a, you know a massive figure she wasn't the sort of character that inspired our sympathy to begin with no. So what was the point? There must be more to it, as you said. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, is she going to give it another crack now that she's she just tested the challenge? waters a bit she's and like, Ken's on, not completely repulsed it's totally by over her. me. What's that about? <laughs> I'm Wendy Flaming Crozier. I'm like the, the, the catch of Weatherfield. Yeah. She's still got it, hasn't she? She's got a bigger house than he has. Yeah. Maybe he might, she might be able to tempt him over. Maybe that's what she's going to try. Yeah, because being Maybe a Baptist, this is not Maybe they can combine their, their fortunes and buy a massive old people's mansion. <laughs> with like, Because old people, you've got to be very careful with stairs, don't you? That's what happened to Ivana Trump. She mm. fell down the stairs and died. Yeah, so if I was them, I would club together by a mansion and there would be no stairs. There would only be slides. A bungalow mansion. I know with slides. Yeah, slides. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I I've... don't know how you get up to the next level. Maybe you crawl up the slide. Stand the stair lift. Seems very safe. One thing that I thought about this story is people are always complaining that Coronation Street relies on people walking into other people doing things and overhearing conversations and everything. And we had that exact thing here when just as Wendy was leaving the, the number one the other day, that happens to coincide precisely with when Abby and Tracy were walking around the corner and, oh, what a surprise, they've seen each other. I think this would have been a perfect opportunity to have got the, the doorbell in as a story because I don't know if it's anything if, if what Tracy and Steve has got is anything like our ring doorbell but whenever somebody comes to our house now we get a little notification don't we and a little yeah. little screenshot pops off of here's somebody at your door so rather than using the tried and tested route of walking around the corner and they happen to be there at the same time it would have been an awful lot better and just you know for variety's sake if Tracy had been got a little notification on her phone with a picture of Wendy Crozier or, or if Steve maybe had been scrolling through. I can imagine Steve being the sort of person at the end of every night, just for, just for larks, goes through all the videos that his doorbell has um, taken on the day. Is that what you do? Yeah, well, I used to when we first Do got you? it. You no, no, I, 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 I used to. I always see if I'm at school, if the doorbell rings, I always have a look and see, oh, it's Gemma or it's the postman or whatever. But I can, yeah, when I when I first we first got it, I was always looking to to see the videos throughout the day. And Steve seems like he's got nothing better going on in his life at the moment than to do that. So that's how I think it should have been revealed that Wendy. That would have there. been a better idea. Although, if if indeed this isn't it for Wendy Crozier, and if she if she is going to be sneaking around number one again for secret liaisons with Ken maybe that will get picked up on that because it seems like really obvious and I don't really get the point of this Steve having a doorbell apart from who was it that he sneak he, he spied on was it Sally or Gail or something a few weeks ago yeah. it was Gail wasn't it going around there I think I think that um maybe there is going to be a big plot reason and they're not using it for that you know to save it up otherwise it'll be by the time they get to it played out, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. That, there's there's my prediction. Wendy's going to be spied on the doorbell camera, I reckon. Tully and the bully. Tully and the bully. Is this me or is this you? You do this. I'm. D- was I? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the yeah the end of Frank this week, uh, and to be frank, it felt like it was happened a little bit too quickly for my uh, for my taste. But ever anyway. Frank on Monday is getting introduced to Dylan and I thought that he was doing a fairly decent job about asking him about himself and everything and trying to be a bit cool but also clearly being a little bit awkward and not being really knowing how to talk to kids Dylan's age. Um, he's, he's clearly not very comfortable about this but everyone else who I saw who, who's seen it that I've seen has said that he was absolutely awful. But anyway... Well, I just want to defend him a little bit here because... Frank. I mean, or, Frank... Yeah. Frank has, has been... I don't want to make assumptions about people's lives, but I imagine that quite a lot of gay men, Frank's age, sort of don't really care or think about children and have kind of like said, you know, the children aren't going to be part of my life. 
So maybe they don't talk to them very much. I, I'm not a gay man. I wouldn't know how to talk to a kid. It's not... Some people act like it's the worst sin in the world that you don't know how to talk to children. Yeah. But, but I'm just thinking, for a gay man of his age, I, I don't find it exceptional that he doesn't really relate to children. No. And the fact that he gave it a go, he's like, all right, well, then what football team are you into? Hey, that kind of he thing. He did an all yeah. I thought he was fine. What else do you bloody want from him? I'll tell you what, if he was too nice to him, everybody would be on Twitter girl calling him a paedophile. Yeah, they would. You know they would. Anyway, you know they would. Dylan, um, which I, I found quite an interesting character trait, is um, really fascinated by the fact that they're living with an undertaker and he wants a guided tour around it. And we haven't... Well, I want a guided... He wanted to see the bodies, he did, but well, they weren't, yeah, would, wouldn't let him. I want a guided tour around the undertaker. I don't think we've seen inside the undertaker at all this year but uh, you know we've had the salon now maybe the undertakers is next anyway he had a lovely old time there and then when he disappears off um todd um talks to sean i think it was about i'm a bit worried i might mean george i don't know about how he's worried about frank and how he and dylan don't seem to be getting off on the best foot um later on maybe he just doesn't like kids and he doesn't want to talk to dylan um, later, like when he met Sean, he met Sean as a single man who didn't have a kid. And yeah. now suddenly this kid's turned up. Yeah, I know, I know, I don't feel... At this stage, I'm not feeling bad for Frank. Oh, I'm feeling bad for him, I don't feel bad about Frank. So later on, Frank says that he and Sean should book a holiday together. And Sean's like, oh, what a great opportunity for you to bond with Dylan. And Again, Frank's I'd like, be like, oh, I don't want to hang out. No? Like, I personally, if I if I was in this situation, and I had a part, if I was sort of, if I was single, God forbid, and I was uh, on the dating scene, God forbid, Michael, um, <laughs> and I met a guy and he had kids, I'd be actually quite excited because I would like to, you know, I, that would be nice to me. I'd enjoy trying to... Bond with some kiddies. Yeah, I would. I would like that, but I, I, I don't think that it's weird that Frank has reservations, especially because he's suggesting a nice romantic holiday with his boyfriend, and then he's like, "Let's take our kid." No, I don't want to. No, I mean, I also don't want to pay for him. Mm. Yeah, good point. I mean, Sean manages to go most of the year without ever seeing Dylan, so why um, don't they just wait until he's gone back to school again and go then when the holidays are cheaper anyway? And also, knowing Sean, he probably hasn't even spoken about Dylan. Yeah, probably. Probably doesn't bring him up. I forgot he had, he had a kid. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, so he he, he he manages to talk Sean around into thinking that maybe they should go later yeah, go when Dylan's yourselves. gone home again. Yeah. Um, also, don't go on holiday during the summer holidays. No, exactly, that's what I said. So anyway, Sean tells George and Todd about this plan and it seems to ring alarm bells with them a little bit who who think that Frank should be Oh no, he wants, he wants to go on holiday with his boyfriend. Dylan. Uh, Wednesday is where it all goes wrong for him though um, because Sean and Frank are due to go on a date but sadly for Frank Sean has to blow it off because he needs to take Dylan to the football Ugh. and he invites <laughs> I'd love to Sean going to football he's like oh let's go be really manly and do chanting and stuff he invites Frank along and he's like yeah fine whatever so they get back from the match later and Dylan's limping he's been fouled he was playing football not watching it um, but then left alone with Dylan, Frank unleashes this massive rant about how he needs to stop playing the victim. He needs to man up. He's like, if you were my son, I'd be ashamed of you. And I was like, that came out of absolutely nowhere, didn't it? That was bizarre. That, I, I don't know. It felt like it was really badly written because there were no clues that he was feeling this, you know. I feel, to me, it feels like there should have been a bit more of a build-up of... Um, I'm a bit fed up of you, Frank Dylan. being pushed out by yeah. Dylan because of Sean's obvious preference for his son, which is probably the only good thing about Sean. 
is that he is um, a, kind of a good, you know, attentive father in this mm. situation and he's putting Dylan before Frank, which is how it should be. Yeah. And um, there should have been more of that and maybe Frank should have been drunk because this is yeah. the sort of thing that you might say if you were, you know... This is the, the real problem that I had with this. Fine that it's happened eventually, but it really came out of nowhere. And the fact that he did it, you know, ra- loudly ranting at him in the middle of the street where Sean could possibly turn up any moment. Which and oh, what did. do you know he does? But I also think that there are, there are definitely ways to have, said, to have said this in a sort of more manipulative, subtle way. Than just full on telling him that. Well, yeah, I, he could have he could have given evil whispers and to also, him, and then Dylan would have told Sean, and Sean wouldn't have believed him. Then they they make it last a bit longer. Why is Frank so bothered as well? Like I don't get get why Frank is angry about this child being fouled. Well, he's just saying. I think he's just saying. Oh, uh, Sean's Sean's caring about his son now more. He should he should have been on no, date with me. But and that's now what he's... I'm trying to say. There should have been more of that. Because yeah. if he's jealous, it, that's a good motivation. But he hasn't had enough chance, really, to have built up so much vitriol against this kid. Mm. Like, may, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I also think that Dylan's a bit too old to be spoken to like this. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It, it didn't quite work. It was quite exciting, but it didn't quite work. I and mean, then, he, go on. I just think that, yeah, I think that they could have written it in a different way so that Frank's defence was a bit more plausible. Which yeah, because he, he says, oh, I'm just trying to prepare Dylan for the real world. And Sean says, well, sorry. You, that, and he's like, oh, that's what you got to do for, for football. It's, it's That's how you talk to your players. You need to toughen them up and everything. And Sean's like, you, you told him that you would be ashamed if he was your son. And Frank's like, oh, I didn't mean that. Sorry, let's go and have lunch. And Sean's like, uh, no, I've had to put up with years of this kind of abuse from other people. And I'm not going to subject my son to it. You're dumped. And and Frank's like seems quite surprised at how quick this has happened along. He's not mega heartbroken or anything, but he's uh, he's caught off guard a bit. Well, I think it's it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't think they went into it, and I can't remember what Sean's backstory is. But h- hearing somebody telling someone, if you or my son would be ashamed of you might have triggered something that maybe happened to Sean when he came out. I think, if I'm remembering rightly, and if I was one of those two lovely gents at Coropedia, I'd know exactly what this was. I think there was a story where Sean's dad was ashamed of him, but yeah. then it turned out that that wasn't actually his dad. It was I his stepdad or something. And then his... I can't remember whether we actually know his real dad or not. I've got a feeling we've talked about this fairly recently, but I don't know. I can't remember from week to week what we say on this podcast. But yeah, you're right. I think it maybe would have... Because then it would have... Honestly, I think that Sean's reaction was correct for how mad Frank Frank was. But only because it was completely unjustified. Mm, mm. Like... I just... Yeah, there was a lot wrong with this. There was. And, and, And they just kind of tied it all up neatly at the end as well oh. there was a bit of a Grimshaw debrief towards the end of the episode all's well that ends well all's well's what? all's well that ends well Frank's a git glad he's gone anyway that's Sean's Dylan's still here the end. end of the story really can't be the end because it does not satisfying the whole story was um, George was his nemesis because he was he was bullied as a child you'd think that if anyone was going to sort of triumph, triumph over uh, Frank and make sure everybody knew who he, what he was really like. Yeah, George wasn't George. even there. It's not satisfying at all. Dylan wasn't in it. He's only just been reintroduced, and it, 
to have Dylan be the one who inadvertently reveals to everybody what Frank's really like, mm. it's really deeply unsatisfying. It so is. Yeah, I don't think it's over. But, I mean, maybe for a lot of people it is satisfying because it has got to the end quickly and lots of people don't like Sean or Sean's stories. But I actually, I mean, I, I, I like Sean, but I will readily admit that the last few Sean storylines we've had, like the um, Pyramid Scheme and the Homeless story, didn't really go down so well. But actually, this one was turning into Sean's best story that he's had for a long time. All the characters that are involved in it, I kind of like. Frank was an intriguing character. I've been, you know, I've been a, a member of the Frank fan club for the past few weeks because he certainly pulled the wool over my eyes. I've been really enjoying this story. Um, and it's been, um, you know, low-key enough. It hasn't had all the high drama of, you know, kidnappings in cellars and people being electrocuted it's just been a fairly standard soap relationship story hasn't it i've really enjoyed it um i just thought it could have been you know like maybe if maybe if frank had said something like a triggering sort of thing like maybe maybe he said something like oh you don't you'd have to be ashamed of you or something and then and then maybe sean would overhear mm. it and then frank had just tried to spin it and then you know, maybe maybe Dylan would have been rude to him and that might have sort of set Frank off in some way, say something like, you're not going to let your son talk to me like that, are you? Yeah. And uh, would it, just, it just felt like a really out of place and overblown, mm. clumsy way of really getting to, to... Obviously, they wanted to get to that place, but I don't know why they chose that this way. way this, this fast, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. And I, I guess that... I guess that with... Dylan's still going to be here for the next five, six weeks or so. They've said that he's going to be there for the summer holidays. I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked at. I can't remember what the guy's called that plays Frank. I don't know whether he said, "Oh, that's that's me done on Coronation Street." But he, he was. I think he was a decent actor. I just can't see it. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Like, it's sad if it's over. The, and Sean's single again. As far as me saying, I don't feel this is a satisfying ending, so I don't think it's over. But I also can't see how it's going to go anywhere else because. If Sean, if Frank kind of ingratiates himself back in with Sean somehow, it's going to make Sean look like a really bad dad. Mm. I don't think he is. No, I mean he's been... a bit of a hands-off dad, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he's certainly like very, very sweet with Dylan when he's there, and he cares a lot about him. Yeah, I can't see him sort of forgiving Frank no. for what he said. I'm very intrigued to see if this does go anywhere else, but I've got a, a sad feeling that maybe it won't. That I, I don't know. I, I never. I can never predict these things. Also really liked uh, Dylan calling uh, George Mr. Shuttlecock. That was really well delivered. I think that this, um, this is Liam, is it Liam McShane, who plays um, Dylan's doing a really good job. He's not had loads of material to work with, but I've, I've seen lots of other people online saying that he's a, actually a very decent um, young actor. Um, and, and I agree. And, and, and there are lots of decent young actors on Coronation Street as well. So it's good that we've got another one to, to join the ranks um, let's let's see him get used over the next six weeks because who knows uh, by September if we'll ever see him again or maybe maybe that angel of death is honing in on <laughs> Violet right now. I thought you and... say angel delight. I was like, yeah. Oh mm. yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe it, she's got her. She's I, I, in the crosshairs. I, maybe I, I I would not mind at all if Dylan stays. Um, we'll we'll see where where it takes us. Gemma, we've got some incredibly slow dragged out dial just to end this episode with. What's happened? So do you think what that's exciting... like thick dal instead of like quite a runny sort of soupy? Yeah. Dark this is this of... is a stodgy dal. This, this is a bit, story. This is text chewing. Yeah. So on Friday, Stu gets wistful about going to Athens when Zidane says he's going there, and Yasmin starts talking about Athens as well and says, "Oh, I'd love to go somewhere like that." And he says, 
Um, I went there with my daughter once and Yasmin says, you should talk to her. Family will always be family. And he says, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. Later on, Zidane finds Yasmin doing some online detective work to try to tra- track down his daughter. And that's yeah. all that was now, this week. Now, this seems like a bad idea, doesn't it? Tracking down his daughter online. Especially as he keeps saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But if I was Yasmin, I'd say, in that case, don't. <laughs> like stop stop dropping hints and being wistful and sad about it don't ever talk to her don't ever talk to me about her again if you don't want to talk about her because you saying oh oh I'm so I sad I think he does what but I, I think he must have some horrible history that he doesn't want revealing if uh, well don't talk about it then comes on the scene I just I, I'm torn about whether I want there to be lots he of this story he obviously does want to talk week. about it he's just being a little hinter is mm. what he's doing little hinter he is um, I don't know whether I want there to be lots of this story in a week to just to get it over with or to get onto something exciting or whether I don't want them to have any of it because putting three scenes in in a week I feel like this is leading into and then, week. and then but I mean I've thought that about this story before there's been numerous weeks it feels like where there's been the odd speed dial scene just hurry up and get on with the story um, Athens I'm guessing that maybe um, I'm still thinking that there's going to be a romance between Stu and Yasmin and maybe they'll go off on holiday to Athens somewhere can we, can. Can we watch them do you really fancy getting to see the Parthenon oh, Coronation Street to go to Athens oh yeah of course Coronation Street absolutely um, I got, I get just, on, just get just on with it like, also like what uh, what's Athens who cares about Athens I like Stu what are you talking about Athens? I like Yasmin don't really like Zidane this story is boring me to tears. Get on with it and have something exciting happen. Also, when are you going to die of lung cancer, Stu? Like I was expecting you to. Yeah, right show. up. Every time Stu gets appears on screen, we have to mention that cough. So um, that was it for this week's Coronation Street, and I thought that that was quite a decent week. As as much as that the Speed Dell storyline was a bit of a downer. As I said, it was only three scenes and that wasn't enough to detract from a decent week as a whole. The Seller storyline was pleasantly surprising to me. I thought it would be kind of, oh, poor Kelly isn't isn't Kelly, woe is her. But it was um, solved quite quickly. I thought that the stuff with the tracker, with Gary getting to rescue her was very cleverly done. Exciting escape scene. Um... The stuff with Tyrone and Fizz was was kind of fun. The going back to the same marriage counsellor, as as unlikely as it was, was was a kind of funny way of him finding out. And even though I am a Tyrone and Fizz apologist, I did enjoy seeing him ripping up the annulment papers. Audrey, new salon, Wendy, Deirdre. Exciting stuff for Frank, even if it was not badly handled. I'm going to give this one four Zs on the end of Fizz out of five this week okay decent week in my books yeah yeah i reckon so i did not i'm I'm really sad about audrey yeah i am sad and concerned about her we haven't ever had somebody of that age sort of having that kind of depression and struggle which is interesting to me. No, I don't think we have. I'm, I... I know that Albert Tatlock was always moaning about his <laughs> but I don't know if it's the same thing exactly. Um, what are you scoring it? For four oh, police frog people, <laughs> which I think they could do with employing some frog people in the police. They could hop to it then. <laughs> um, what haven't we said? Character of the week. Um, have you Blo- any... Blokey. Blo- blokey. He was blokey. Was quite good. Was Kieran. Scary. Um, I... Phil. Phil. I thought you'd pick Phil. Bloody Phil. Brilliant. Well done. You go, Blake. I. I think I'm 100 Phil side on Phil's side. If you want me to go around meddling with Tyrone and Fizz and ruin their lives, let me know. 
Mm. I'll go around. I'll go through their stuff. I'll, I'll undermine their relationship. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick anyone from that story this week as much I'm, as I, I did I like enjoy. Low level chaos for people that don't deserve <laughs> that do deserve it. As much as I enjoyed um, and, and found Tyrone with the, the tattoo thing, I found hilarious when you didn't realise you could remove tattoo. I don't know how you get to his age without realising. Also, I don't know you how can. you get to the tattoo parlour to say I don't like this tattoo, and they not say if you you don't want to cover it up. Well, I guess maybe it must have been uh, more. They would have got more money by doing another. Tattoo. Maybe it's not the same people. Maybe it's not. Um, I'm going to give this one to, I I think Gary. Not that I'm necessarily a Gary fan particularly, but I think he was um, very resourceful with his with his tracking. I thought I enjoyed the escape scene. Um, I just, yeah, I was, I was very happy with what went on with Gary this week. So um, well done. A character that I would n- never thought that I would normally pick gets a point from me. And that is it. So I think we'll end it there. Are you ready to, ready to get on with some news? Mm-hmm. Gemma's ready for news. Let's do news. Welcome to the cabin, everybody. And we have got awards season once more. And this week, it's the Inside Soap nominations that have been announced. And if you want to vote for yourself, you can go to insidesoap.co.uk. you want to vote for yourself? You, if you if want to vote for yourself, well done. You're a Coronation Street cast listener member into the podcast. We know you all listen, really. <laughs> if you would like to vote and go along to insidesoap.co.uk cast your vote you've got ages to do this you've got until September the 9th no don't be lulled don't... into a false sense of security do yeah. it now while you're thinking about although it although we were massively hypocritical because I haven't voted yet I assume you haven't voted yet uh, voted I'm the one that came up with all the nom- nominees so. <laughs> no you're not um, well, well if, if you did then uh, did you also come up with the brand new category this year which is all time icon so yeah, what, because I was secretly hoping for myself to be nominated, but... Yeah, well, you might be. You never know. If anyone wants to vote for Gemma Cox as all times... Don't use my full name. Soap, the FBI will find soap me. Soap icon, then maybe you can. So this is a new category where you can just literally say any soap character ever to be put into their Inside Soap Hall of Fame or and something like that. And everybody, please can you show the ultimate power of Conversation Street as a force for change in soaps by writing in Steve Fisher... No, do Pedo Van Man. Please write in Steve Fisher. And if you like, if one be... person does, that would just be hilarious. <laughs> Imagine if we could get every. Listen, <laughs> you really honestly, should. think. Have we got enough people listening? If we could, if we could, if everybody listens genuinely did this, we might have a shot at actually confusing somebody <laughs> who works at this. Into giving Steve Fisher. Do you reckon the guy who did it, who, who played it? I don't like... know. It was a long time ago. When was he? Is it the seventies, Steve Fisher? I don't know. Please, please. I mean, no, we shouldn't do this because there are many other people who deserve yeah, the kudos. <laughs> but think up, just think about how funny it would be. That's all I'm saying. It would. That's all I'm Let's saying. Let's leave it a few years until we get the actual icons out of the way first. Maybe in 10 years' time, 20 years' time. When no, I think it's good to the set the bar low. And then, you know, whoever gets it next year... So you're saying it should be Ken Barlow that no. gets, gets nominated. Um, I, the, the picture for this article that I got from Digital Spy had um, Julie Goodyear in the thumbnail. So I think they're already trying to sway the, the, the voters to go one way over at Digital Spy. I don't know, that's all I'm saying. But this is, this is the sort of thing that, you know, I don't know where it's going to go. Because if you used to say, name a Coronation Street icon, for example, Bet, Hilda, mm. Ken, Gail, Audrey... But then you also might get um, some people that have only just been watching the show for a while and, you know, anything before 2020 means nothing to them. And you might get some of the people voting for, say, Yasmin or whatever like that as a soap icon or whoever is the the flavour du jour. But um, who who would you vote for? Because I know you're going to vote at some point. I, I, if I, honestly, if I was doing this, I would 
have the open nominations and then once I got I'd I'd pick the most popular for each soap mm. and then I would let people vote, vote on against. those. Yeah. But they've got until That's September. how they do the Tory leadership battle. Why can't we choose our all time soap? <laughs> I'd vote on? Liz Truss as best Coronation Street character I've ever I've ever met. And who? Rich, Ricky Sunak? Yeah, shut up. That was a conversation that we had earlier this week. I Didn't think you might bring was. up once I started that sentence. I would you... vote for Hilda Ogden for this one. That's what, that's what I'm going to vote for. I don't know how much of a shot she's got, but why not? I'm gonna. I'm actually going to put Steve Fisher in, and I would invite you to join me. <laughs> it's going to be your fault if Barbara Windsor, R.I.P., beats out Hilda Ogden by just one vote, Gemma. I know I'm going to come to. I don't care. Anyway, I, that's what, go on. I was inspired yesterday... Um, by Minnie Caldwell, just the thoughts of Minnie Caldwell and how much That's of an Minnie agent Caldwell. of chaos she was. She's like the Loki of Coronation Street. She's just laughing all the time. Anytime anything happens, she thought it was hilarious. And she also doesn't respect rules about confetti. Yeah, some of the old episodes that we watched yesterday with Corypedia did have Minnie Caldwell in, and it reminded us how much we loved her. And Dennis Tanner. We watched some old classic Dennis Tanner Dennis songs. Amazing. So yeah, write in, write in Steve Fisher slash Minnie Caldwell. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is not the only category, believe it or not, in the Inside Soap Awards Actually, this year. can I say, Dennis Tanner would be a very, very good choice because Philip Lowry is still around. He could pick it up, and he, would he? And he honestly deserves it. He's wonderful. He, he was fantastic. I know, he really, really good. I don't think he's he, going to The double act between yet, him and um, Pat Phoenix. So, so, so good. They were... They so were, precious. Honestly, just... Please watch old episodes on on the DVDs. You can watch some of some of his antics, yeah. and he is just He's wonderful. Amazing, right? Other categories then, actual categories that there are nominations for best actress this year. Forget about the other soaps. Who cares? But from Coronation Street, the nominees are Georgia Taylor, Millie Gibson, and Sally Carmen. No Toya, surprises there. No surprises there. Once again, we have got Georgia pitted against Sally Carmen in the in the in the nominations. That's uh, I'm going to say here, Sally Carmen. And she's very, very good, but she's already won some awards recently. Georgia Taylor has not been winning awards recently. Has Millie Gibson won it? Millie, did Millie Gibson, she got Best Young Performer she got at the British Soap yeah. Awards, didn't she? Young, no. Yeah, young. yeah, she got young. Georgia Taylor hasn't won an award recently, so flip and well vote for her. She bloody deserves it. Bloody deserves it. But this category, these three women are phenomenal. They are very, They're very good. They're all incredibly talented. And all and the other soaps have also got some very good leading performers. Perform, what? Perform. They're another soaps in this, yeah, right? Yeah, so, so I don't know. Very, very best of luck to all of these. I'll be thrilled for whoever each of them are. Um, best actor nominees. Odd choices. And in fact, I am so surprised. I'm almost insulted and enraged that that Charlie DeMello doesn't even get a look in here. I mean, seriously, what is going on? They've got David Nielsen, Mike Lavelle, and Mikey North. So big up the Michaels here. Um, well, yeah, so I'm exactly. kind of happy for that. Kind of like the rivals to the Steves, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, but but why not Charlie DeMello? He's been fantastic. He's not going to get on the nomination list next year, is he? He was completely robbed of a nomination this year. Um, right in, David Nielsen. Right in Imran Habib for Best Soap Icon. <laughs> yes, he should do that. David Nielsen is obviously phenomenal, but he's not exactly been a leading character in Coronation Street recently, has he? He buggered off to South America for a bit, taught Sam how to play chess, and that's about it. Can you can't I just, just make... say, oh, Roy's been great for 20 years, 12, 20 plus years, and and then say, well, so you obviously vote for him this year. Can I just make a point here also about, I know you keep ha- banging on about best actor and best actress, and I, I think that they should be kept as separate categories. 
doesn't it just show you simply by the nominees here how different roles are for, for different genders and I don't necessarily agree that that is a good thing but I am saying that the, the, the things that actors are asked to do are different from what the things actresses are asked to do and there's a different standard for what we think of as being a good actress versus a good actor. Yeah. All these women have been expected to cry on demand and had all these horrible emotional... Um, scenes thrown at them they've had to deal with yeah lots and lots of crying and, and tears and things whereas the, the actors, actors just have had to get angry haven't they there's been a lot of violence I don't know and um, yeah, it just doesn't feel as though there's such an intense sort of demand on them and their emotions as the actresses go through not from Coronation Street but I mean to be honest best actor is not going to be won by anybody on Coronation Street it's very likely to be going oh I I had it in my head and now it's gone again. Sorry. The guy who plays Marlon, you know him. Mm-hmm. He's going to get it, isn't he? But never mind. And he has had to do lots of amazing and brilliant acting from what little we've seen of him this year. Uh, Mark Chanuk, isn't it? Um, yeah. He's been superb from the very small clips that we've seen. But if you're going to vote for um, in this, please vote for somebody at Coronation Street just so they don't feel too sad. Um, what are you talking about? I, I would vote for David Nielsen here, but, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not, you know, passionate about any of them getting it this well, year. Well, you know, Mike LaFell's had quite a lot of emotional things. I think he's been quite underrated. But then again, you see, this, is, good this is what you could be. say also about the, about this category and about having an actor and actress category. It's actually the actresses quite often overshadow the actors. Yeah. And it, it, despite, you know, me saying that there's an argument for the, for the female side to keep it separate, it's actually probably just as just as unfair on the men mm. because they don't get given as big as big and meaty parts as the women. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want that. I think that if David Nielsen hadn't got it, but, um, uh, I, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. Sorry. No, it's Ryan Russell had been put up there for his role as Michael Bailey, then it could just be renamed as the All Best Mike's, Michael Award. Best Mike. Yeah. Um, right, Best Newcomer. We're down to two nominees per category for these next ones for some reason. We've got Bill Fellows, who plays Stu, and Paddy Beaver, who plays Max Turner. Both fine picks. Paddy has definitely um, grown on me, and he's been, he's quite, you know, I've been quite impressed pleasantly surprised by some of his performances recently. Although that does make me think, what's going on with that... Um, the picture that was shared of him online is his Naked Willy picture. That story was kind of dropped out of what nowhere, wasn't that? it? Are we all going to jail? I don't know. Um, Bill Fellows has been great. I really do like Stu, but he's been kind of put into a storyline that is not using him to his best at all. He's um, so charming, though. He's really, really charming. Engaging. He's got real He does. Um, best villain, we've got Max Evans and Rebecca Ryan. Again, interesting <laughs> choices. Although, who else would they pick for best villain at the moment? Because Loki. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the, 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 the main, the biggest storylines this year, which are things like the Fizz Tyrone one, the, the Abby Georgia, uh, Abby Toya... Imran storyline there hasn't been a villain in it has there they've been kind of nasty to each other basically so um having one of the things that I I thought when I saw all of these nominations is a lot of them felt quite old like um Max Evans for example he left the show what 10 months ago maybe nine ten months ago I don't know, but although he did win Best Villain at the British Soap Awards, so maybe he can extend it out. But by the time these awards are given out in September, it's gonna real, it's gonna feel really feel out of date. Um, as too, I suppose, will be Rebecca Ryan, who played Lydia, because she left back in what February, March time. 
maybe Coronation Street just needs a good new villain for the summer, I don't know. Um, best comic performance, we've got Jimmy Harkishin and Maureen Littman, two very solid choices there. Love both of them uh, to bits. I think that Deb is hilarious. Um, again, not had loads to do recently in the comedy stake, so I think that Evelyn Prummer has got a bit more of a better chance with him uh, than him this year. Best double act, now Gemma, this is this is important because the best double act they've specified is awarded to a non-romantic pairing. Oh, nice. So we've got David Nielsen and Molly Gallagher um, versus, and this is a great one, Jamie Kenner and Alan Hulsell. So they've actually taken Phil and Tyrone's bromance and built it up so big that they've been nominated for the best double act award. And There's just something so not? inherently likeable and unoffensive about both of these actors and their characters. I know that I rag on Tyrone all the time, but he is a very, very popular character. And lots of people, even despite everything he's done, think that wouldn't melt. So the two of these people <laughs> having this feud is it's really adorable actually and I like that I, I actually like this um, mm. it's quite unconventional actually yeah. in a soap like having a, having a frenemy we don't really have that we've had with women we've had bromances with like Stephen Tim and everything yeah. but, the, the, the... but like women women being sort of you know catty rivals in a comedic way like Yasmin and Sally for a long time mm. and um, Carla and Trace all that was a bit more serious that that's quite a common well not common but it's certainly done before but this this is not really no I love it I think it's great. I do love it I I would quite like to see um, Tony Morsley and Gareth Pierce get a nomination for this as well because I think the two of them there together in the Undertakers are always yeah, good yeah, for true. entertainment really value good, yeah. but maybe another year I think um, the missed um, opportunity was back in the heyday of uh, David and Nick because they could be quite funny together. Mm, yeah, yeah, true. Um, best young performer. So this is anyone who is age seventeen or under on the date of the voting and that's the launch. Actor, actor, yes. Slash which actress. means that um, Millie Gibson was not eligible for this. So they've gone for Isabella Flanagan, who plays Hope Stape, and Jude Riordan, who plays Sam. Both pretty good. Both not used loads at the moment. Well, I don't um, legally. No, exactly, they can't be necessarily. But I, mean, I think that lots of people do really, really rate both of these um, actors for different reasons. So I don't know, I don't know what their competition is like, but good luck for them. Best family, we've got the Allahans and the Platts. Um, we've talked before about how difficult it is to for Coronation Street to nominate best families because it's there aren't very many named families on the show at the moment, are there? There's lots of people living together, but not necessarily and it's being disgusting. a family. Um, How so, dare they? I mean, but both very, very strong families, though. But if you've got the Dingles to go up against from Emmerdale, then you're going to be struggling. That's the only one they got, Michael. I know it is. Um, best storyline. Now, I was affronted by this. If Charlie's um, Maybe diss by not being, been not being in the, um, the best actor category got me mad, then it's got me fuming. Abby's battle for baby Alfie is what they're calling the Imran, Abby and Toya storyline. Never mind the fact that it should be called, obviously... Bias is what this is. What did we call it? Happy Babby Baby, yeah. which is much better. But how oh, it's Abby's battle for baby Alfie, is it? What about poor Toya's battle for baby Alfie? What about Imran? That's literally the them taking the a side. Yeah, but no, precious Abby, she has to be the one who's... Saint Abby. Who, yes, Saint Abby is the one fighting for justice. Yeah, anyway, if I, I was an eccentric millionaire, which I'm still hoping will happen, hmm. and I had a mansion, I would have stained glass window section with pictures of Abby and, and Kelly. Kelly. With that. You know how they, they, they have that picture, the medieval saint pose of like having your two fingers yeah. up in front of your face, like yeah. you're doing a really elaborate shush. 
<laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, anyway, can somebody please do some art of that? We've got. It'd be great. We've got this, and we have got Fizz's love <laughs> dilemma. What about Tyrone's love dilemma? What about Phil's love dilemma? Yeah, it should be Phil's betrayal. That's what the story. Should I be think called. that those two stories are definitely the best picks for Coronation Street this year. There've been a few decent stories, but if I'm thinking about what have been the biggest storylines this year, then then those two are definitely it for me. Um, we have got best romance. These just keep on going. El Mulvaney and Jack. James Ryan, so Amy and Jacob versus yes versus Sally Dinover and Joe Duttine, Sally and Tim. They feel a bit weird of being best romance. When I think of best romance, I think of you know fledgling romance, new couple and everything. But actually, they've had a lot more of a story relating to everything amour than both Amy and Jacob have, who I think are a really good couple. um, But we've been sad, you know, they've been not used very much at all, have they? They've, they've gone down the classic Coronation Street route of let's pair people together and then not show them ever for the next six months. But Sally and Tim have had their Tim Pertensy storyline. Why isn't there a shipping name for Sally and Tim? Is it is it um, Tilly? Yes, it okay. is. Go on. They've had the... What did you Tilly say? and the Willy. <laughs> That's what this storyline's been. What did you say they had the storyline of? The, the Tim Pertensy. Is that it? I thought you were going to say something else. No, but that's been about romance, hasn't it? And, and you know, love in the over 50s, I suppose. It's been a good story. Um, and I think probably if you're going to be voting, trying to get swing this one for Corrie, then Sally and Tim might be the better one to go for. Although also these, these um, awards often attract the younger demographic, don't they? Who would maybe be voting for Jacob and Amy. It's because they're young and idealistic and they believe in democracy. Yes. Best Showstopper, which is awarded to a soap event that had the audience on the edge of their seats. We have got, and these are two great picks here, Imran's Shock Death. So there we go. Charlie has got a nomination. There we go. Vote for... And also Sinkhole Horror slash Johnny Drowned. And this is what I was talking about when I said some of these nominations feel like really old. And that uh, was back in last October, wasn't it? It wasn't, you know. It was in the last year, so it's perfectly valid that it gets picked. But it feels like that was a lifetime ago almost. Both of those were absolute showstopper moments. I mean, in terms of pure spectacle, I'd probably have to say, sorry, Charlie, that Sinkhole Horror slash Johnny Drowns was the more spectacular moment. Um, I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm still, you know, as of July 2022, left slightly unsatisfied with the way that Imran went. And there are still definitely some unresolved storyline bits, aren't there, of why and how the the crash actually happened. It was a very, very well done scene. um, And I will absolutely vote for Imran's shock death in this one. Um, I don't know what the other soaps have got going up against it. So um, anyway, best of luck, Corey. Oh, there's also best soap, obviously. So if you uh, if you vote for anything other than Coronation Street or Dead to Us, but make sure you do vote. And Gemma, I'm talking to you as well. I no, I, I don't. I'm going to wait till the um, they pick who the new prime minister is and see what they they think. I'm gonna I'm gonna just um, wait until the results are picked and I sit and I'll say, oh yeah, I would have picked them, and then I'll be like a glory hunter. Well, Steve Fisher for for prime minister. Next piece of news, Gemma. Do you remember um, a month or so ago we talked about the Coronation Street Star Tours being revived at the Coronation Street The Tour, whereby once a month, if you booked tickets on a particular day to go on the Coronation Street Tour, you would get to meet an actual live Coronation Street person. Yeah, not a dead one. Or maybe dead, I don't know. Chris Gascoigne. Uh, last Saturday, I'm going to say, yeah, it was last Saturday. Made his that is a very debut. big name. That is a big name, yeah. Um, so it was. Uh, it's every month, is it? Yeah, yeah, once a month. So the next hey, one uh, is like the twentieth of August. They set the bar quite high. Mm. 
fair. Um, Who's going to be next? I don't know. I, I, I didn't know who to expect. I've not really given it that much thought particularly. Um, but yeah, apparently, because there was a video of this from the Manchester Evening News, I think, of um, a reporter there knowing that the, the, the celeb would be revealed and, they, and they, they filmed it. And what happens is they're going around on the tour and then they get to the police station and the tour guide says, oh, who can name some people who've been arrested in here? And then the people in the crowd sort of said, oh, you know, Max. Um, not Max, sorry. Um, well, probably one day. Um, Corey and so on. And then um, Chris Gascoigne then starts, stroll, strolls out and says, hello, hello, it's me. And then he walked straight back in afterwards and it was like he was like dissing his, them. And he was like, like, ah, he was like not really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not really. And then he came out and he did a bit of a speech. You can go on the Manchester Evening News' website or the Facebook page or something and watch this reveal. And then he pauses, he, he stops and does photos and everything with them. So it's really, really cool of him. And like you said, that was a, that was a quite a big name. And interestingly as well, you know, Chris Gascoigne doesn't do a lot on social media. So I've, I never really thought, you know, what's his relationship like with the fans? Can does I he do this kind of thing? thing? I think if you're not on social media, you probably have a much nicer relationship with fans. Well, yeah, quite possibly. He's on Instagram, I think. But I don't think he posts very much. I know, but Instagram's a bit, a bit. In- Instagram is a kind of nicer place, yeah. Anyway, so that's quite cool. So congratulations to any- well, not congratulations. Congratulations, Chris Gascoigne. Congratulations to anybody. It who must be really nice if you if you're a gregarious sort of uh, very social person and uh, you've got a lot of confidence in yourself and your abilities. I guess then. Going and meeting a bunch of people who are really thrilled must be a nice way to spend your Saturday. Well, there's, there's always the risk, isn't there, that you're going to come out and people go, oh, it's you. Yeah, but come on, Michael. If anybody's primed to be excited about almost anybody on Coronation Street, it's a group of people who have literally paid to be there. Yeah, but, you know, if, if I was to go on a Coronation Don't Street star tour... There'd Steve be some Fisher people that I'd rather see than if others. If Steve Fisher turns up, I would lose my mind. I'd be like, this is the best day of my life. And everyone else would be like, who's that? Please tell me Audrey Fleming's here as well. Do you actually remember what Steve Fisher looks like? Would you recognise him 50 say, years I, later? I have an image in my head of what he looks like and I don't want to look him up because I don't think it's right. Um... Yeah, so the, but but when he came out, one of the people in the crowd's like, "Oh, I hoped it'd be you," <laughs> which is really cute. Um, so anyway, that was really cool. But the next one, I believe, is Saturday the twentieth of August. Um, it's what it's you know it's mid August. It's that Saturday there, and I don't know if there are still tickets, but um, there's one then. There's one in September, and who knows? Maybe they'll carry it on later in the year. But that was really cool, and now we know how it happens. I wonder whether everybody is going to pop out of the police station, or whether that will be different each time. It's kind of a- a- away from everything else, isn't it? So it seems like a. I tell a good you what, it place must be, to do it. So he, how many did he do though? Because there was like six or seven. So he, we saw one. And he, he had to be, you know, just as Switched charming up. and um, and vivacious every single time. You're saying I imagine. He's acting. Maybe he was acting. I don't know if he's uh, got any skill in that department. Maybe. Has he got any experience? I think he's been doing Coronation Street for oh, I'm going to say 22 years at this moment. Yeah, it must be really nice With to start in off. the year 2000. I always think if you were born in the year 2000, it'd be very convenient, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, and finally. Um, what is this? Oh, this is this is kind of mini news. But this Maureen Maureen me... Lipman is um, going to be on our show for another. Oh, she's going to be on. She's going to be on the podcast. Special guest every week for the next year at least because she has signed a new contract according to a Reader's love... Digest interview. That I love she this did. that she was on Reader's Digest. What a, what a blast from the past! Did I know. you used to have Reader's Digest? I, I, did. Did. I did. not. I used to like reading the jokes. I didn't read anything else <laughs> in Reader's Digest on the bottom of the pages. There would be jokes all the way through. Mm. I just you'd read those. I hope people don't consider contract extensions as being particularly spoilery. I suppose it is in a way. 
But I don't think anybody was thinking that Evelyn's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Well, so. you're the one that sets the rules, and I think you're quite idiosyncratic about them. So What did you call me? Can you read out a Maureen Littman quote, please? I like this because she answers a lot of hypothetical questions. I always think this is a very strange way of talking, but quite a lot of celebrities do this. Yeah, she, she's kind of basically she's asked about you know being on Coronation Street. She says, I won't, hear just a, open that. I won't hear a word against it. It's full of quite exceptional actors working with very little rehearsal, very little direction. Am I envious of someone who appears? Sometimes, yes. Do I have the right to be? Of course not. Would I like to be in sex education? Yes, of course. Am I sorry I signed up with Chloe for another year? No. Piss off. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. She said, no, I'm not. She's probably thinking It, it. makes me laugh because it sounds like she's being irritated by these questions that she's asking herself. Like, yeah. okay, calm down. Don't get mad at me. You're, you're, you're the one that's doing the interview to yourself. I would obviously love to have Maureen Littman on the podcast for an interview, but I'd be very intimidated. But it seems like I don't actually need to, to come up work. with any questions. Yeah. Just like, and here is Do Maureen like Littman Evelyn? to interview herself. <laughs> How did I get the job on Coronation Street? What did I think about what being Lillian Spencer? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she's great. I would, I would absolutely adore her to be on the show. She is so great. Yes, um, I love her character, and I think that I like how defensive she is, and um, and she's right. She is right. It is full of exceptional actors, and they are wonderful. And I, I think that. Um, I yeah. like how she says very little direction. I get that you might say very little rehearsal, but isn't that a bit of a diss? No, at the I directors? think they're scared of her. I don't think they tell her anything. I think she comes in and they're like, "Do what you want." <laughs> yeah, that's maybe. Leave me alone. Everyone else is told what to do. But she comes in. She comes in. Letman had to read these lines. She comes in and they say, and she says, "Do I want to stand here? Yes. Am I going to be angry in this scene? Yes, I am. <laughs> do I remember my lines? No, I don't. Can you hold that up so I can read them? Thank you very much. Am I ready? Yes. Let's go. Is it action time? Yes, it is. Go. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the Coronation Street news this week. Go and vote in the Inside Soap Awards. Why don't you? Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher. There we go. Right. Anyway, we will finish off the podcast with some feedback. Feedback time! We've got a voicemail this week, Gemma. <gasps> I know we're not going to play it yet, though. I'm oh. going to keep you on, on, on guard for this one. We've got to give our Facebook score first. Everybody voted on last week. Everybody in the entire world voted on our Facebook poll last week, and they deemed it to be a 3.49 out of 5 week, which is not too bad. I think, I think we went lower last week, didn't we? I wasn't impressed with last week. Didn't I give it 2.5 or something? Luckily, it bounced right back up this week for me. Now, Karis gave last week's episodes three bobs of mango chutney on your nice white date shirt out of five, yum, whilst yum. Heather picked for three pairs of compression socks and a sponge. <laughs> My pick of the week last week was Jonathan, who gave it three champagne and spicy sausage fueled sessions in the hot tub with a strict no-touching rule <laughs> out of five. Nice one. Thank you for everybody who voted. I always like to see what you're voting out of. Um, Gemma, this is one for you. Nicole says, I hope you're doing okay. I'm thinking since you're on the coast, it might be a little better. So this is a heat wave related email. We've gone through the whole podcast so far without saying it. I haven't it's complained about the weather once. She said, last summer we endured the heat dome and it was awful. That's when we learned about heat pumps, even before Billy's got stolen. And ah. she wanted to let us know that we are. she is thinking of us and everyone who's struggling with the heat. Gemma, how have you found the heat wave this week for people who are interested? Which is probably like everybody. I, I didn't, I, I deliberately did not plan to work on Monday and Tuesday because I knew it would be hot and I wouldn't be able to concentrate. Um, 
and then my mum made me went oh, to go yeah. to the allotment and then my dad asked me to take him to the hospital so I, both days I was um yeah in you were very toiling away outside. at the allotment on Monday and sitting in a hot stuffy <laughs> hospital waiting room on Tuesday it was very hot it was quite hot it wasn't as hot here and you're right Nicole I, I don't I don't know if it's to do with the coast we are fairly close I don't know we walked last weekend it was very nice wasn't it we walked down to, we the, did walk to, the, to the sea to the sea yes it took us 45 minutes yeah um we can walk straight all the way down uh like a woodland from here to the to the shore we're very very lucky and um it was lovely and cool because it's a valley we're in the va- we live in a valley and uh the river was cold and the trees kept us cool. Yes. And then when we got there, we had a, um, a Mr. Whippy. We did have a 99, Thanks, Margaret we? Thatcher. <laughs> and we also had a toast. I had a toaster and you had a hamburger. Yeah. Interesting and, stuff. Um, it's thrilling. But yeah, um, Monday and Tuesday was the, the height of the heat wave for us, wasn't it? I didn't really notice what was going on. It got up to about 33 here. At school, we just didn't let the children go outside. And they've oh. been wearing non-uniform for a while. So that we had... We used non-uniform? To like, yeah. We were used to having like wet play, like if it's raining too much at lunchtime or break time, we stay inside and play games, or they do. And today was our first, this week was our first ever hot play. <laughs> so we stayed Don't inside and watched Mr Bean at lunchtime. But I didn't realise how hot it was. And then when the children left at the end of the day, because most of our classrooms were air conditioned, so it was like just fine for me. And then I walked outside and it was like, Bwah! it's like that moment when you get off a plane when you when when we went to um That's to exactly Florida, what it felt like. it's just like blasted you in the face. It was boiling. I tell you what I did do. What I went and sat downstairs in the basement, didn't I? Oh yes, the basement. You, you, was... were, you were pretending to be Kelly. Yes, I, I was. The basement was like twenty three degrees, mm, which is tolerable for you. Which is about what it is now, and I'm hot. Mm. Anyway, it kind of blew over by Wednesday, Thursday, didn't it? Um, I will warm, say but... it was pretty horrific here. People, in other parts of the country there been fires and everything people did die and there were fires and lots of people lost their homes mm. and I think that um, we've got to be a bit more serious about Maria I know that everyone hates her but she's right we've got to recycle yeah <laughs> um, okay um, t- moving on from that anyway we're fine the car, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that I don't you? know what to say to that no um, James I'm using humour to convince people to be more environmentally friendly yes it doesn't, if, it if going on TikTok or whatever it is that Maria's done hasn't worked... Can I just say, using going on TikTok, it probably burns lots of energy because of all the computers. Mm. They, I think they run on electricity. We have got a voicemail, Gemma. <gasps> and this is from James, who is a few weeks behind, and he... Um, he no, is... don't, make, don't be rude about him. <laughs> He's a few weeks behind in his podcast listing, oh, okay. and he has responded to our call to hear about Canadian accents. And I know Yay! we got an e- a voicemail a couple of weeks ago in response to that, where we were told that it was all about the A's that make the Canadian uh, uh, accent different. That's but my God, I don't care, Megan because I don't think we've heard from James before, so I'm going to very well play his voicemail Come anyway. On, James! Because I love a voicemail. Thank we you very do. much. We really you are favourite listener this week, James. Thank so, you. So uh, here's what James has got to say. Hi, Gemma and Michael. James here, sending this message from Canada in response to your discussion of Canadian accents in episode 528. Um, Up here, trying to differentiate ourselves from Americans is basically a national pastime. So it's not easy for me to say that I think a generic Canadian accent basically sounds the same as a generic American accent. There are there are some cliches around how Canadians speak. Uh, for example, supposedly we pronounce the word about as a boot. That's a popular one, but I have never heard a Canadian pronounce it that way. 
but yeah, broadly speaking, I'd say both accents are the same. But maybe you've had other callers from Canada totally disproving this. And uh, maybe you're hearing my voice and you can easily tell it apart from an American accent. So uh, you tell me. As Gemma pointed out, uh, there is a French-Canadian accent, which people from France definitely say is very noticeable and very clearly Canadian. And there are certain regional uh, accents across English-speaking parts of the country. My father, he is from Newfoundland, uh, where people, or at least a lot of people, have a very distinct way of speaking. And even though I've lived most of my adult life on the West Coast, I'm, I'm calling from Vancouver, I am from Nova Scotia on the East Coast, where there is also a distinct accent that a lot of people have. Um, when I first moved to Vancouver, I worked in customer service and I'd have a lot of customers who would point out to me, they'd say that they could, they could hear my accent. They knew I was from the East Coast. I never, I could never hear it uh, myself, but, uh, and I think maybe whatever traces I had, I've lost just being away for, for 12 years. But yeah, as I say, I don't think uh, there's a huge difference between Canadian and American accents by and large. And I don't think the actor who plays Stephen is doing a bad job of a, I guess, a Canadian accent. Um, and I'm guessing the show probably has never even specified what part of Canada he's from. So for him to sound American, I think is, is pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to hear what both of you think, having heard me talking for quite a while now. <laughs> Thank you both for the podcast. I, uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, with the exception of my father-in-law, I don't have any friends or people in my life who watch Corey and who I can discuss it with. So I really appreciate hearing you guys dissect every episode and it sort of scratches that itch for me. So thanks and take care. Thank you, James. I love that. Well done. I really enjoyed that. I'm very um, interested in hearing about smell. accents. I love like, to hear from people. Well, me too. And, and I, you know, part of my degree was linguistics as well. So all that kind of stuff is very interesting. It me. is really interesting. Thank yeah. you very much. And thank you for your lovely comments. For the lovely That's comments. That's really nice. Yeah. Well. Very, very interesting. I don't know. I mean, you, you said you can't hear much of a difference between Canadian and an American in, in your voicemail. So I feel less bad about also not being able to distinguish between them as well. Yeah, I think sometimes people pretend that they know more. I definitely than did they hear do, a bit but... of a twang when James said a boot, though. I think it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a boot, but it, it, there was something now I have to say. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. I hope that, um... What's the phonetic alphabet description then? Hmm. Um, I could write Is it down that... for you. Yeah. But All I right. won't do it now. Um, right, Gemma, could you read out our next email, which comes from Nancy? <laughs> which is how we say Nancy over here yeah it's how we say it down south mm. um, Nancy says I did feel bad for Phil this week because he went to a lot of trouble to convince Fizz to stay married to him Fizz, Fizz needed to tell Phil why she doesn't love him they needed to agree to end it instead Tyrone is together with Fizz this is what Tyrone did to her with Alina Tyrone is not being a good friend to Phil by going on the mini moon I think Phil and Tyrone will end up fighting each other will she be able to get an annulment if Alina shows up Will Tyrone tell her he does not love her? I know Kelly was going to get kidnapped. Gary is going to find her. I do like Kelly and Ali together, but why do the people who live on estates have to be the bad people? I think that Nancy is trying to um, be Maureen Lippman in this. I've got the questions she's answering. Yeah. Will she get an annulment? No. Will Tyrone tell her he does not love her? Yes. Why Will... do people who live on estates have to be bad people? Because they are. Because <laughs> Granisha Street actually is a bit snobby sometimes. Yeah, it's just a tad, yes. 
Um, Carla doesn't want to do the business with Stephen because, hang on, hang on, not the business. That's <laughs> do the business I, I said the wrong thing. <laughs> she wrote, Carla doesn't want to do business with Stephen. Carla would do the business <laughs> with anyone, the trollop. <laughs> She's like, how much discount do I get now then? Um, with Stephen, because She's of... probably got a map of the world and she, people like scrape off the countries that I've been to. Carla's She's like... Shagged him, yeah. shagged him. Um, <laughs> shagged her. Uh, because Stephen, because of what happened to her brother Rob, I think Stephen left too quickly. But he'll be back. I like seeing the newspaper Tim was reading. Tim looking up naughty videos was hilarious. I missed that story this week. I, I wonder whether what will happen if Sally... Maybe he'll recommend the website and they can enjoy it together. Maybe. Maybe can Sally... A couple's thing. Can I just suggest one thing? Maybe if Sally finds this, that this is a thing online, she might not be so bothered about Tim not being able to do anything. Yeah, she she might find fulfilment out. somewhere else. Mm. <laughs> Ronnie's development idea sounds like a good project. It looks like Aggie is going to sue Debbie. It will be interesting to see if Debbie will end up having to pay Aggie and Ed anything. Will Ronnie support Debbie? Who is going to fix Steve's roof? That is the this most is, important this is question. So, you are so Maureen Lipman t- today, Nancy. This is definitely... Who is going to fix Steve's roof? Who cares? Steve? Is anyone actually doing it now? No. Was it left that it was no, going to Ed. be Ed? But Ed's electrocuted himself. he can't. Which is a very drastic way of getting out of something. Ooh, talking about the speed dial story, Dragon, this is, this is somewhat as well, isn't it? <sighs> Nancy says, like, if this week's... Episodes three Cumberland pies out of five. The character of the week pie with cheese on top. It's film. I hope Toya gets exonerated next week. She is no. innocent. What is going on with Toya? Why wasn't she in it this week? Is Who she going to be in it next week? Toy-yay. I don't know. Yeah, come on, come on. Back, back with the Toya storyline, please. We had Abby. We had Abby and Wendy a lot, but not Toya. And Thank you, Nancy. I know that George Taylor went on holiday earlier this year, but. That's no excuse. No excuse. Get her back in that show. Kia Ora, Michael and Gemma. This is Susan that's emailed us next. And she has just been thinking about Tyrone and Fierce, haven't we all? You're from New Zealand. Can you help me? The New Zealand government keeps emailing me and telling me that I owe them money because I stayed there. Oh, yes, it does. Because I said uh, somebody gave my email address and they said that they were in quarantine there. And um, it wasn't me, and they don't believe me, and it's not a scam, because I thought it was a scam. I ignored it for about six months, and um, it's actually the real people. When was the really... last time that they contacted you? They contacted me t- uh, like a few days ago, and they asked me for my passport number to prove it wasn't me, and I'm like, I'm not sending you my passport number, my full name. Do you need to do something about that? I what? don't know, I tried to. I said to them, it's not me, I don't know why you asked, why you are... I mean, you're gonna have Interpol knocking on the door. I don't want to go there, and then they. I'm not. I'm never gonna go to New Zealand. I would love to go to New Zealand. They're not gonna let I'm you scared in of like them not letting me in because I owe them two thousand dollars. We'll tell Susan. She'll get. Susan, she'll get on can the you case. help me, please? <laughs> she says now. Remember, as a viewer, I'm not up to date, so my comments may be invalid, irrelevant, or even just idiotic. Nevertheless. Here are my thoughts. Go on, Susan. Tyrone is not worthy of Fizz. Correct. When Fizz changed her mind about staying with Phil, Tyrone should have promised to the world, should have wanted to shout it from the rooftops, he should have taken the burden of explanations away from Fizz, he should have done whatever he could do to convince Fizz that she has made him the happiest man ever. Actions, not words, were called for. He is not worthy of his friendship with Phil, who steals your friend's bride, then goes on a mini-break with them. And then moans about it. Yeah. Fizz and Phil, perfect match in most ways, but Fizz just didn't really have the feels for Phil. She thinks it is because she still hankers after Tyrone. I think she isn't really in love with Tyrone, but is using this as a reason why she couldn't make a go of it with Phil. Mm. I think she, I don't know, I think she still does no. any kind of a time. Tyrone has done nothing to convince me that he deserves Phil. 
fizz, fizz. sorry. He doesn't deserve Phil <laughs> Freudian either. slip. I hear on the grapevine that they are going to counselling. Yes, that happened this week. I hope the realisation for Fizz is that she doesn't need either man. Yeah, that's right. Or thus might, or this might happen. Alina will return. See, there's another one for Alina. Everyone thinks Alina's coming back. Just as Fizz is... I think it's like everyone that's thinking Alina's going to come back, but nobody really wants her to come back. Seems to be the general feeling that I'm getting Can I here. just say also, there has been no rumours, there have been no whispers of No, there absolutely haven't. People just like, we know how soaps are. The last thing we saw was Alina holding her belly at the uh, airport departure now. And I also so. want to say another thing. Say it. Is that when we know something's going to happen... We don't talk about it being a rumour and we don't speculate that it might happen. We try happen. not to. We try not to because I don't think it's fair to everyone else to sort of like pretend that we thought of it ourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, however, she knows in her heart that Tyrone is not good enough for her. With Alina on the street, he is once again torn between two women. This is handy because Fizz was trying to work out how to dump him. She doesn't go back to Phil either and most importantly, Tyrone's girls realise that as a father, he is who he is and have lowered their expectations. Oh. Fizz will go on to have great storylines and Tyrone will always hanker over what he lost. Yeah, Susan. You're going to get a job in the storyline department. You're singing from the same hymn sheet as Gemma here, but I'm like, no. I don't know if this was a spelling mistake, but Susan's called him Tryrone, which I absolutely love and I think we should call him that from now on. Tryrone. Why? Because he's very trying. he's trying, yeah. (laughs) Try hard. <laughs> uh, interesting stuff, interesting. Try rain. Love it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think we all agree about Alina there. Gemma, we've got Rebecca next. Rebecca says, still enjoying the fizz filled Tyrone fallout, but like Michael, I think all three of them, I like all three of them, and I'm feeling quite sorry for Phil as he really thinks his intentions to win fizz back are working, but I admire his determination. Really, Fizz and Tyrone need to tell Phil the truth, as one, it is kind of for Phil to know, and two, the longer it gets put off, the more Phil won't give Fizz an annulment, and even though I'm enjoying the story, I don't want it dragging out for six months. Yeah, this was sent Try before 12, we had, this was sent before the 12-month uh, deadline was, uh, was given. Debbie loving the mariachi brand was brilliant, and Ty saying that, yes, Fizz was windy sometimes was brilliant, and I also am glad they agreed to couples therapy, as they need it. I'm assuming Gary will have his first proper kill to protect Gary. Oh, and will kill whoever is keeping Kelly locked up. Mm. Darren saying he knew Maria from Summer was funny. And even though I'm meant to root for Kelly and Ardy, I'm not. And it's not because I like Summer. Well, Darren, that's the name of the bloke that's been arrested that Officer Craig, you said, wasn't it? He's the pervert. He's, he's, he the, was... he's the hotel creep. Yeah. I forgot where I am now. You are, you are, you are, you are here-ish. Summer and Ardy, I don't like them any, either anymore, Rebecca oh, yeah. says. I just don't think Kelly and Ardy's world's mesh, although I loved Ardy picking out a shirt that Deb would definitely have worn. <laughs> ah, true. I'm also betting that Stephen hasn't gone yet. What was the point of him coming back into the show? I did enjoy David calling him Scar, though, and I'm firmly on David's side on that point. <laughs> Tim, please don't have an affair with Aggie to prove you still have it. Watching naughty videos is so much better. <laughs> I loved Monday's episodes. They were Sally and Tim in the hot tub and a newspaper of Sally's date of birth. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Ed, don't let Uncle Ronnie take you down a dark path and persuade you to destroy the pub and build houses when you clearly don't want to. Even though I sympathise with Debbie as it is Ray's fault, she has to pick up the pieces again. And again, I agree with Michael. Just quietly end the Steve story and concentrate on the Baileys. I'm guessing we'll have some Ken and Wendy scenes throughout this week if Abby is moving back onto the street, but I'm slightly disappointed with the Wendy return. Regarding Toya, I'm wondering if this was the time period Georgia went away. See, this is what I just said. And so that's why we hardly have any Toya. Rebecca that. But yes, I agree about Spider. I need to see more Spider. Good to see... What about a wolf eating spider? 
<laughs> Good to see Dylan back, although I'm hoping that Frank is just keeping a distance from Dylan as his first night back with Sean and it's nothing else too sinister. Do you think that Spider Nugent could eat a wolf? Yeah. That's a wolf eating but he spider. Wouldn't he wouldn't, he's he vegetarian, cry. isn't he? He's He'd vegan. Whole time. Yeah. What's a giant plant that spider could eat? Um What are those big old stinky mm, plants you get in the rainforest? Rafa Lata Ratava. He's one of them. I've got no idea what you're talking about. You know, the big stinky big red leaf. I plants. know what you're talking about, I don't know what you're Rafa Lata. I don't know, I've never heard the name. That's what they're called. Finally, exactly I'm that. assuming we will see Stu's daughter eventually, but again, Stu seems seem very shoehorned into the week. I would say they were stew horned in. <laughs> we didn't Thanks. need to see I'm here them all really. Week. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. You asked for me, but not for them. <laughs> They're going to tell you off. <laughs> They've already turned me off. Uh, Let's be frank. Character of the week is Phil just because of his determination to win Fizz back. I'll give this week three and a half times. Phil tried to win Fizz back with renditions of cheesy love songs out of five. The half was for all my... For, the what? half was for all my... All by myself. Sorry. As Fizz wasn't there. Lovely. Thank you everybody for your feedback. Thank you for your voicemail. We love voicemail. Send us more voicemail, please. We can have voicemail from British people as well, or Americans. Anybody can send us a voicemail. I would like somebody to send us a voicemail in like French or German. Just to test out whether I can still understand it, because it's been a long time since I finished my degree. And I know we've got listeners in and also, Germany at least. And also, I to say, I'm on my 203 day streak on Duolingo for French, so... There we go, test that out. Je parle français très bien. Oui. Qu'est-ce qui se passe cette semaine avec Coronation Street? La rue de Coronation Street. Uh, oui. Well, t- tell me something in French that happened this week in Coronation uh. Street. <laughs> If you've forgotten everything that happened in Coronation Street, I'll just load up the notes to remind you. Um, mm, Kelly Don's in Murder Cellar. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tyrone Eston, Malda Man. Malda Om. Well, 200 days, you say. You sure you've not been doing it 200 weeks, 200 months? Audrey S. Tres Triste. Your accent is like I can't do it. I'm sorry. I've asked you to help me. You want you to just laugh at me. No, I don't. Wait, what else? Um, <sighs> yes, Wait, Wendy, qu'est-ce qu'elle a fait? Oh, wait, we, yes, um, me. What, what, uh, que, quoi? <laughs> Wendy? What? Wendy est in trollope. Oui. Can est, uh, tres, um. Tres vieux. Tres. Tres vieux. What's that? Old. What? Old. What did you say? Vieux. Vieux. You know that word. I, I'm sorry, I'm... Hey, Frank. I've boasted too much about Frank my Frank ain't on this part. Um, oh, f- um, no, hang on. Stu est dans la cuisine. Oui? La, la cuisine. I learned that today. Hey, um, Yasmine cherche son fille. Sa fille. Oui. Oui. Mysterieuse. <laughs> I knew what you said. Hey, Frank n'est pas... Frank, Frank, uh, n'aime, n'aime pas les, les enfants. Oui, Frank n'aime pas les enfants. <laughs> oui, oui, oui. That's a best c'est sentence, yes. C'est très vrai. Oui. <laughs> I think anyway, au revoir, everybody. Au revoir. That was, that was I'm sure everybody could understand that because that was incredibly poor French. Oh, maybe we could have a French-Canadian to, to, Why to not? send us a message. Please then, do. Hmm. That was I don't know how many Coronation Street fans are in French Canada. Is je that what you call it? Je ne sais pas. Oui, la Canade Française. 
Is that what they? That's what I mean. I don't know. Oh gosh, it's hot and tiring. We got you got a cat on your lap. You must be very hot. Heating my lap to maybe. Why does she want to sit on our laps when it's this hot? I don't get it. She loves us. I'm. Can I just tell you, I'm very paranoid. (sighs) Yes. I was going to say you had a nightmare experience with a cat last night, didn't you? You woke me up in the middle of the night to say, "Look, she's sitting on my pillow." I know, but I'm worried now because I. I saw. Well, I know that when they're ill, they get clingy. But also, when you're ill, they get clingy. So now I think me or her have cancer. She's not clingy. She's just being lovely. But um, she did come and visit clingy. you in the middle of the night last night, which is she unusual. was looming over me at three o'clock in the morning. Like the feline of death last mm. night. Anyway, we're already late with this Hang podcast. On. We won't what. Le chat d'amour. Le chat d'amour. We oui. not le chat d'amour because that's the love cat. It's very. It's, it's funny how close those two yeah, are. Very similar. We are going to um, go, everybody, Our because afar. people are waiting for this podcast to be released because we're late. So we're going to do it right now. We will be back <laughs> next week with more stuff about Coronation Street. I was so until then, for this goodbye. Goodbye. I know. It's good. You can just do it without any preparedness. That means that you are I'll, on I the don't way feel like to being completely 100 percent fluent. A very good how can part. people contact us? Par email, par Twitter, um, Instagram, <laughs> Spotify. Facebook, le livre de visage, <laughs> as they call it in France. <laughs> and Patreon and YouTube and stuff. Goodbye, everybody. Ta-ra. Bye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. What? <laughs>